John Claw. You're still wearing your Jurassic Park shirt. Like you're still trying to make that happen. <laughs> it's it's technically still um, Jurassic June. It's over. I need <laughs> you to move on. <laughs> you guys are so mean to my dinosaurs. <laughs> Listen, we supported you for two straight weeks. <laughs> I can't We're done believe now. We're doing we're done. Jean-Claude Van Damme for two weeks. That's crazy. Oh, we could do we it needed month. to. We could do a month of Jean-Claude. Yeah. I'm down. I'm, I'm, we could do a Patreon I'm episode starting, of Jean-Claude Van Damme June, every right? week. I'm starting to see why he was so popular. Like, cause oh, I, I watched, loved him. I watched more of the movies than we were supposed to. Like I said, I watched um, Hard Target. I'm like, fuck, that's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought you, you watched Double Impact. Oh, I'm sorry. Double Impact. That was an even better movie. Um yeah, it was. Uh, he got a twin brother, and it's got the guy from Maverick, the the bank owner from Maverick, was Mel Gibson. I was like, man, there's all kinds of famous people in this movie. <laughs> the the Indian dude, like everybody was in that movie. It was awesome. <clears throat> the uh, the the guy from Bloodsport was in it. The big bad. Like, man, I wish I could have watched this movie instead. Bolo Young. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, the big dude with the man titties. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Chong Lee. Chong Lee. Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am your host, the Salty Nerd, and uh, I am joined, as always, by my illustrious co-hosts, Matthew Kadish, author extraordinaire. What's up, dude? Kumate. Kumate. <laughs> That's last week. And uh, the ambassador of estrogen herself, kissed by fire, Jude Juju. Pleasure to be here. What's up? Hi. And... Sweet Cheeks himself, Woo! Matthew Vader, That's the right. barbarian. What's up, buddy? I forgot his shape. Hey, hey baby face. <laughs> got, the, got the ogre beard going on. <laughs> that, okay, so I've been studying like beard growth stuff uh-huh. and styles. That it would be technically called the scruffy goat. The scruffy goat. That is, you are rocking. Sounds like a scruffy sex goat. Act. Yeah, well, the plan is. Sounds the, like his barbarian name. The plan is for the face to kind of phase into it. So yeah. like, I'm kind of. Faded down into the point. It's good. Know, so it's good. Yeah, that's. It's gonna, I'm going full Gandalf when it's done. Fantastic. So, yeah. nice. I can't wait to see it. I'm trying to catch up, and it's just not happening. <laughs> work, work will never let me do it when I go back. So, uh, anyway, so today's episode, we're going to be discussing the movies Hard Target and Street Fighter, starring Jean Claude Van Damme, as well as a season one recap of Jean Claude Van Johnson, the Amazon Prime original series that is just fantastic. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, before we get started, I would like to do a quick shout out. Please help us grow this podcast. Go to saltynerdclub.com. That is directly goes to our Patreon. Uh, you can throw us a little bit of cheddar and help support the podcast so we can make awesome, great episodes for you. And uh, you get exclusive content plus stickers and a bunch of other stuff uh, included in that package. You can throw, throw us a dollar. You can throw us $5, $10, whatever you want to do. Pick your tier. Check us out and uh, help support this fantastic podcast and a group of friends just sitting around talking about movies. Yes. Our goal is to get 1,000 uh, patron subscribers. So if you want to be part of that initial 1,000, we would really appreciate it's it. It's a very exclusive club. And sometimes Salty just likes to send stuff out in the mail. I send expensive shit. He does. <laughs> I'm addicted to sending awesome we're, shit we're, to we're, my patrons. We're like, Alex, these people only pay a dollar a month. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I bought him a $50 like, t-shirt. Why did you give that guy? It gives us a dollar, $50 worth of swag. <laughs> I like being nice to people. I know you're too nice, Dave. Lots of value. It's all good. I only send nudes. (laughs) (laughs) 
again, and Jude, again, Jude, I don't get these things. Very cost effective. I don't. I have not Jude's seen only, this. Only fan account is. That's <laughs> <laughs> the fifty dollars picture. <laughs> Fifty. That's that's the hundred dollars. Oh, hundred. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know, which one would you prefer? <laughs> uh, Fifty for nudes of Kadish. Hundred for nudes of yeah. me. I, I'm the, I'm the cheaper option. <laughs> send us five hundred bucks. I'll send you a topless picture of myself. So, you don't want that. Oh Jesus, that went way off the rails. All right. It's the, it's the you got us boozed up before I we do. even started. I was so excited to drink some alcohol for this podcast. <laughs> These movies were rough. What? Right. Starting with <laughs> let's let's start our discussion. These with, movies were fantastic. <laughs> let's start a discussion with hard target. That really makes me question your <laughs> thought process. No. These are the best movies ever. <laughs> I don't think John Claude even liked these movies. So <laughs> you don't think so? I, I don't well, know. Well, he, he did it he for was, a paycheck. He, he was coked up the entire time. So. Dude. Okay. Hard target. Uh, Matthew Kadish, why don't you set the stage? For this fantastic movie. And don't forget the mullet, please. Just remember. Oh, oh, oh. oh we're, we're going to talk about that mullet. I think we each have something to say about the mullet, how it affected us. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Hard Target was um, Jean-Claude's follow-up to um, Time Cop. And it was his um, first movie with uh, this legendary action director, John Woo. And basically, it's about a um, kind of merchant seaman who work, works out in New Orleans. He's kind of down on his luck and he runs into this girl who's searching for her uh, missing father and she hires him to kind of be her guide through New Orleans as she's trying to find out what happened to her dad. And it turns out her dad was killed by an elite group of like man hunters, like literal man hunters who basically um, charge rich people lots of money in order to facilitate these um, hunting down of like retired combat veterans and stuff like that. So it's basically the most dangerous game, but in New Orleans. And uh, so throughout the course of this movie, Jean-Claude kind of stumbles across this shadowy organization and uh, he becomes one of their targets for, you know, the hunt. And uh, they pick the wrong guy to hunt and he kind of switches the tables on him, starts hunting them down in the bayou. And it's basically just a... It's the most glorious '90s action movie <laughs> you could think of. I mean, I mean, just going like, on record. Like, this like, is it, number like, one. Like schmalty, like terrible, like the slow mo. It, it, oh it, god, the, the slow way. motion. Oh, we're gonna talk about all that stuff. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> the doves. The doves. So okay, so wait. Uh, before we get into this, like you, you guys are talking about a lot of stuff. So um, when I was in film school. Back uh, in Hollywood. Back in Hollywood. There we no, go. This was back in Pennsylvania. <laughs> in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I went to film school. Um, so, like, one of my idols as a director was this uh, Hong Kong director named John Wu. And he was kind of, like, on the forefront of action cinema. He was the guy who was kind of doing stuff that made action um, balletic, like, romantic, stuff like that. He was incorporating, like, the use of slow motion, and he would choreograph fight scenes almost like they were a ballet. Or, or a dance scene or something like that. And um, he was kind of taken the, the Hong Kong world by storm. He was uh, making all these like really impressive action movies and they were kind of filtering their way back to Hollywood and Hollywood at the time wasn't making action movies anywhere near the level that he was. And so um, they kind of, you know, no pun intended, wooed him over to America <laughs> and said like, hey, let's give this guy a big budget Hollywood movie. And interestingly enough, Hard Target was the first 
big budget Hollywood movie from an actual Hollywood studio to be helmed by an Asian director, which was John Woo. And when I was in film school, um, I'll get into this in a little bit. Uh, this movie was actually like um, a great white Buffalo scenario where um, John Woo had basically done a cut of this film, which was like had an extra 30 minutes to the runtime. And uh, the MPAA had given it an NC-17 rating because it was so violent. Ooh. And so they had to cut it back to get the R rating. And there was this bootleg copy of the original version of the movie that was kind of circulating um, around uh, like film schools and stuff. Yeah. And a buddy of mine got his hands on it. The black market John Woo the movies? Black, the black market. <laughs> and it was one of these things that was like a work print cut. So like it had like the time code and stuff on it, but it was actually widescreen. And at the time... You know, if you guys remember the the video rental days, it was all pan and scan stuff, yeah. unless you got like a special edition. So uh, I'd only ever seen this movie like outside of the theater in pan and scan version. And uh, we had a saying in film school that with pan and scan, you miss half the joke because you, you, you don't get to see the whole picture as it was meant to be intended. And so uh, my buddy, uh, whose name was also Matt, ended up getting a bootleg copy of this thing um, from like, I don't know, like, Japan, eBay, or something like that, <laughs> and uh, like we were so excited when it came in the mail. We we're like, we finally get to see the the whole. Like, we don't get to miss the joke. <laughs> so, but it was still a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we got to see like the whole thing as John Woo kind of intended it to be seen, and uh, it was it wasn't much better, but it was it was very much more John Woo. And for people out there who know of John Woo and like appreciate him, he's got these tropes these oh, John yeah. Woo tropes. He was kind of like the, the father of, uh, it's called gun Fu, yep. which is basically, you know, like kind of fighting and close quarters combats with guns. He was kind of the precursor to what eventually became the matrix and John wick and all this stuff. What's that one with, um, <clears throat> um, shit, Batman. What's his name? Val Kilmer. No, no, no. The good, the good Michael Batman. Keaton. No, the good Batman. Oh, you're, you're talking about, uh, equalizer e e equilibrium equilibrium. Yeah. With, that with, was with the gun katas. That was some hardcore gun fu. <laughs> yeah. So like John, John Woo was kind of like the, the, the father of the, of that, but he also was a guy like in every one of his movies, he'd have like d dark clad motorcyclists who were like shooting guns at people. He'd, ha <laughs> he'd have doves flying in and out of frame. Um, like he'd have people with dual wielding pistols, uh, you know, firing guns with absolutely no kickback, you know, <laughs> um, like flying through the air and stuff like that. And so like when you watch Hard Target and you guys were pointing out a lot of these things, it, it's a, it's like Hard Target's not a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's a John Woo movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. And originally they actually, <laughs> John Woo wanted to cast Kurt Russell as the, the main character. <laughs> um, so that would have been very different movie. Yeah, would have been the different. same exact movie. <laughs> <laughs> exact same movie. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, they man. they added a lot of spin kicking thanks to Jean Claude. Yeah, Jean Claude. He he put his stamp on this movie for sure. Well, Kurt Russell probably wouldn't have spin kicked that guy off the motorcycle. Um, no. If you think Kurt Russell can't spin kick? <laughs> I will fight you right now. <laughs> All right, so this was only, my, if, only if he has an eye patch on. So we we've got we've got Kadish's first time. <laughs> yeah, like I, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. We are talking about it. Well, you've been um, talking about it for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to really talk about it. So this was my first time watching this movie, um, and God, is it glorious? <laughs> it's so gloriously bad. Eighties, nineties, whatever. I don't. What year did this come out? Ninety four. Ninety four. So gloriously bad. Nineties. I think my favorite scene 
in the entire movie is when the forklift moves out of frame and you see <laughs> Jean-Claude with his greasy mullet and it's slow motion and then it turns and it pans onto the uh, the chick in the car and it zooms into her face and she's just so like, oh my God, now that's a man. <laughs> but, like, but that reveal is like three different shots <laughs> yeah. faded into one another. Yes. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like very typical John Woo, like so over, the, the over the over the top, uh, you know, schmaltzy. Oh my gosh. Everything was so schmaltzy about this And, and it had that, that, that weird twangy southern oh, the, music the, to the, it yeah uh-huh. the banjo, like the banjo. Uh-huh. every time he did something badass a banjo would play <laughs> i liked oh, it man. when they would do like edit cuts and john claude would be standing in front of the car in one cut and behind it in the other and then, <laughs> and then back in front <laughs> stuff like that yeah yeah the fight scenes let's talk about the fight scenes um he was a superhero, right? There was that one scene that you just mentioned about him. He kicked the guy off the motorcycle. Yeah. So the dude's driving like 30 miles an hour on the motorcycle and John claude spin kicks him and in the helmet. Hits his helmet. And it doesn't... He well, just takes it, 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 it. Probably should have broke his leg. Yeah, oh, yeah that would have broke his leg for sure. <laughs> yeah. But no, this dude just goes flying. Oh, the gun physics in this uh, movie are fantastic too. You get shot with literally anything, a nine, a nine millimeter pistol and you're going like halfway across the room. There's, there's two things in this movie that I appreciate. Number one is Wilford Brimley, yeah, the baddest, baddest uh, <laughs> Uncle old, old dude in the world, right? And is your second one his accent? <laughs> that was great. Oh. <laughs> Can you guys give me some context? I have no idea who that guy is. You don't know who Wilford <gasps> never Brimley watched, is? You never watched Cocoon? No. You've never seen the diabetes commercials? You've never seen the Quaker Oats you, you've commercial? You've never seen the thing? Diabetes. 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 That's yeah. that dude? That's yeah. That dude. yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> hey, do, you have, do you have diabetes? <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's him. <laughs> I did not know that that was him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. That gives me a yeah, little bit he, he tripped me up when I found out a month or so ago that when Wilford Brimley filmed Cocoon, he's the same age then that you, I am now. He always looks so old. It freaked me out. <laughs> you have no idea and, how and much he, that He's still me alive. Is oh, he yeah. Really? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And uh, the other thing I really appreciated was uh, Lance Henriksen. Oh, yeah. I love Lance Henriksen. Oh, he's so good in this. He's He just chews the, he's every just, scene he's in. I, did, I, did I ever tell you the story about how I met him? No. I Wait, met, I, met? I've met Lance Henriksen once. He'll never remember it. But <laughs> and, and I felt like a total ass after I met him. So uh, no, just it, to make sure I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the, Lance Henriksen, Lance the bad Henriksen. guy. The bad he's guy. been in like he's 500 alien. movies. Aliens, too. Yeah, he's Bishop, he's Bishop, right? Yeah. And then he was Wayland later on in the yeah. Alien vs. Predator movies? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, <laughs> when I was a floor person at, the, at a casino up in Oregon, he used to film this show. Uh, it was this Millennium. Millennium. He filmed it in Canada, I believe in Vancouver or somewhere up there. And the casino I worked at was around a casino between California and... and uh, Canada and uh, he would stop in on his way back and forth when he drove once in a while and he, I, <laughs> he finally I finally worked up the uh, gumption one time to go up to him while he's playing blackjack and like an asshole I go hey is that thing you do with the knife in the hand is that real <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me like I'm a complete dick and I just turned around <laughs> And I walked he away. He didn't say anything to you? I bet he remembers he, that. He, he gave me a glare, dude. It's oh, like, I it's, it's, like are, are, it's like, are you for real right now? Buddy? I guarantee you. And, I, and I, I just, I got immediately embarrassed and I turned around and I walked away. We need to see if we can get all of him. Be like, do you remember <laughs> no, this jackass? It was, it was so bad. It was so bad. I go, I can't, I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. <laughs> That's fantastic. He, he is fantastic in this movie. Oh, he's like, yeah. awesome. Like, okay, so like there's a scene at the end where he catches on fire. Oh yeah, and he that's just takes act, it. It's actually yeah. him. Yeah, and, and and it's not like 
it's not like a quick thing. Like he's he's there, he's on fire, and he's like taking his jacket off in the most slow, mm-hmm. like methodical he's way just, possible. Like yeah, he's, he's just annoyed by the fire. Yeah, he just yeah, takes like a badass. But did you notice that, that you could see all the all, all, all the, the fire anti fire retardant yes, on his face? Yes. Yeah, Immediately yeah. afterwards, you could see he's just covered in slime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his hair is all slicked. Yeah, for like one scene, and then it goes away and yeah. his back dries again. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a really cool scene though, because he he just took he's like man, well what did he say? He's like you son of a bitch, and he just takes <laughs> his jacket off all casual. <laughs> like Lance Hendrickson really wanted to work with John Woo, which was one of the reasons why he got cast in this movie. Where he, he was like, I'll do anything you want me to. I'll show up like whatever. And they're like, Well, you want to be the bad guy? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he was the best character, and in he had movie. that stupid two hundred year old single shot gun. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing! Was like, oh my god. This- <laughs> <laughs> so like, like I, I understand why they went that way because he's supposed to be like such a good shot that he only needs one bullet. Yeah. It's like a thing of pride with him. Yeah. Um, but it's like the most ineffective weapon you could possibly be carrying around. He but, might but as well that, have had a, like a crossbow. But, or something. but that gun was, it was like you would load it with these like elephant shotgun shells. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, a, like, I think it was a 45. Something was it? Um, I can't remember the name of the round, but I, I had, I was going to buy a rifle that carries that same round. It's like a freaking, it is an elephant gun. Uh, it's crazy. Like, like that was the gun where you shoot someone, they like fly across the room. Yeah. With that, I could, I mean, it's not, you would just go through you, but yeah, totally. It'd probably <laughs> rip your shoulder out of its socket with the recoil. Too. Not, not in a John Woo movie. <laughs> not in a John Woo movie. Um, so real quick, I just wanted to mention something before I forget, because I, I will forget. Um, the most dangerous game is my all-time favorite short story ever. It was read to me by my third grade English teacher. The, the full, like, old school story, all in graphic detail. He sat in front of the third, like, third grade class and was like, um, he's an old military vet. And he actually looked like, uh, what's the guy's name? Wilford Brimley. Wilford, he looks just like him. His name was Mr. Kenny. I will never forget this of guy. Of course his name was Mr. Kenny. Mr. Kenny, old school, like, veteran English teacher. And he read this story to us, and I was like, that is the most amazing story I've ever heard in my life. Diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> I love the most dangerous game. So if there's any movie out there that's like based off of or takes points from the most dangerous game, I'm in. And this movie was like, when I realized what the plot was, I was like, <gasps> the most dangerous game. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is going to be fantastic. And it did not disappoint. You're an odd little duck. Alex. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> the only thing this movie didn't have was boobs. I don't remember seeing any boobs. No, no boobs. there was no boobs. They needed Sorry. boobs. There was only one chick in the whole movie, right? No, there were two. There was, there was, there oh, the, the, the detective that died. Yeah, yeah that's right. But uh, spoiler the, the, the woman, <laughs> the woman who uh, who was like the main female. Um, she, She's so beautiful. She was a witchblade, right? Yeah, I don't know. She was the right. actress who played witchblade in the TV series. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, I love this movie. It was so <laughs> much fun to watch. It just, we, we can't talk about Hard Target without talking about Jean-Claude's hair. Okay, let's talk about Let's dedicate a good 10 minutes to that mullet. <laughs> it's mullet time. It's, it's mullet, mullet time. time. I feel like we need like a sexy intro song. <laughs> it's mullet time. And it was always wet, right? <laughs> no, not wet. Greasy. Greasy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like straight Crisco. <laughs> straight, straight out of the WWE. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, well, you know what's funny is, okay, so in Time Cop, he had kind of like the, the, the semi-mullet thing going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mini mullet. And then in, in this movie, they go full mullet. And uh-huh. the reason reason they did that is because he knew that he was going to be doing a lot of spin kicking. So he wanted his hair to have that whip factor to it. Uh-huh. So it was, it was very 
like strategically long <laughs> and I greasy. I think they even permed so, it because that shit was yeah, curly. Oh yeah, it was super curly. But but they grew it out to to that length specifically so that when he's doing his spinning, it would it would it would whip around cinematically and look really good in slow motion. <laughs> it's like an old wrestler kind of like. Uh, very I, much. I so. just kind of figured they were extensions or something. It looked like extensions so. for a little bit. I was really wasn't sure. Do you guys know so much hair? Gel. If it's actually his hair, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think I think it was his hair. I mean, it was a time. It was nineties. I just I, his his look that greasy mullet with the black trench coat, the mm-hmm. jeans with the tucked in shirt. Mm-hmm. My God, mm-hmm. my I, God! <laughs> I, I also love how in like every nineties action movie, all the henchmen are wearing these like zoot suits. Yeah, you know, I love all the guys that were on motorcycles. Never took their helmet off. <laughs> never. That, that's a John Woo thing. <laughs> never took their helmet off. Doesn't matter if they were walking around a warehouse in the dark. They had their yeah. sunshaded visor and, down. And, and if they get punched in the helmet, they're they're like, oh, oh they're all staggering. Knocked me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, Katie, do you have anything else? Because this is very much like your your movie. I think I think you love this movie more than any of us. So, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, that, there's actually a lot of stuff, uh, that, of stuff. That, that's very Lots interesting about this he's, movie. He's got all <laughs> he's got notes. three pages of notes. <laughs> Better let him get through both the notes. Sides. I love it. I love Did you it. see? Both, both sides? sides are filled okay, up. Okay. Do you guys remember that scene from Seven where they had all the notebooks with the little tiny lettering in it? And they yeah. Were sh- yeah, that's Kadish. That's Kadish. <laughs> I'm taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm the only one who prepares for this podcast. It's all up here, sweetheart. Does not oh, mean yeah. I should be ridiculed for it. I got this. I just I just feed off of your genius. <laughs> I'm like one of those little sucker fish on the shark. All right, go ahead. What else you got? Well, so this was uh, John Woo's first American movie. And when Universal was um, bringing him over, they were kind of worried about his ability to actually run a, um, like a you know, English-speaking film because he didn't speak like very good English. So um, one of the interesting things is, is that during this time period, so Sam Raimi and his producing partner, Robert Tappert, um, you know, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Sam Raimi was the creator and director of the Evil Dead movies. He did the uh, 2000 Spider-Man, Spider-Man. movies uh, with Tobey Maguire, a uh, very famous director. And uh, he had just done um, Army of Darkness for Universal and also um, Darkman and he had produced Time Cop, so he had this uh, relationship with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And Time Cop had, is like Jean-Claude Van Damme's biggest movie of all time. So. Sam Raimi produced Yes, yeah, Sam, Sam Raimi and Robert Tapper produced Time Cop. And so Universal um, went to Sam Raimi, and they were like, hey, um, can you um, like be on set with John Woo? And if things don't work out with him, we want you to take over the picture. And so Sam Raimi was like the like ghost director on hard target, but he never actually directed anything because he was actually John Woo's biggest defender. Like, like when the studio people came and tried to meddle with him, Sam Raimi got up in their faces and was like, you let John Woo do his fucking thing. <laughs> and, and so like, you leave John Woo. Exactly. Alone. Yeah. That, that was his job. <laughs> and like Sam Raimi was like his biggest defender. That's awesome. And, uh, but you can also see like Sam Raimi's influence in the movie because like uh, you know that part where like the arrow's spinning and you got like that weird background that's yeah, like flying by. Yeah. That, that's pure Sam Raimi right there. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> Sam Raimi and John Woo got along very well. And uh, John Woo even said like the only time he ever saw Sam Raimi on set was when he showed up because he wanted to go out to dinner uh, with him. So I, I Makes thought, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. thought that was good. But uh, uh, John Woo was also on record as saying like he had a difficult time working with Van Damme. Um, because 
So the, there's a story that he told where... Wait, uh, John Woo said that or Sam Raimi? John Woo said that. John Woo said that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, John Woo has this story about how like... So the way he films stuff, he uses multiple cameras to like catch like different things. So he'll he'll shoot with like he'll shoot a scene with like four cameras on like one actor, that type of thing. So he'll have like close up, medium shot, wide shot, stuff like that. And, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme one day, um, he, he was like, he was like, John, I must have a camera for my muscles. <laughs> 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 and, and John, John was like, what do you mean camera for your muscles? He, he, he's like, people come to my movies to see my muscles. I want, I want close ups of my muscles. I work very hard for these muscles. And John Wu was like, like, um, I can respect that. He didn't say that. <laughs> John, John Woo was like, well, I've got four cameras on you already. I'll just focus one of them on your muscles. And, and uh, so like every shot that Jean-Claude, when he was like showing off his arms, especially like in the third act of the film. Oh, yeah. They always had to have a camera on his arms, just his arms. <laughs> and, 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 and John, John, John Woo was, was like, like when, when, when someone asked him, it's like, it's like, Mr. Wu, are, are, are you sure you want to spend all this time, you know, focusing on his muscles? And he's like, I'm not going to use any of it. It's just, just, just to make him happy. <laughs> they really didn't though. You know what happened? Street Fighter focused a lot on his muscles. <laughs> well, this was hard target. We're talking about. I know. Um, um, but uh, I mean, like there, there's just so many things in this movie that are like me as a John Wu fan. Like I just can't get it. Like the doves. Like every scene where like mm-hmm. like the doves are like flying around, it's like that's a big thing for him. And yeah, then it the, really is. Like e- there's like the slow motion, which is a trope, and then there's the doves, which is a trope, and then there's like the slow motion doves. <laughs> <laughs> that, like I, John I, Woo, you I, crazy man. <laughs> I always remember John Woo with the doves because my introduction Mission to, Impossible too. Mission Impossible yeah. too. Yes, there was multiple way scenes, overdone, there. way overdone. <laughs> slow motion doves, slow motion everything in that movie, and that that was my introduction to John Woo movies. I was like, oh, he did Mission Impossible too. And every time I watch any other of his movies, I can't help but just yeah. be like, oh. But, but when <laughs> Jude and I were watching this, there were so many times where like I'd point to the screen, I'd be like, babe, babe, wait for it. And uh, like there was this line of dialogue. Like, Dude, shut up. <laughs> there was this line of dialogue where. Uh, you know, like uh, oh god, you're gonna say it again. Yes, where where, where the, the the woman character, I forget her name, but like she she tells uh, Jean Claude her name, and he's like, "What type of a name is that?" And she's Nat. like, "Oh yeah, Nat. Nat." Is it like I'm named yeah, after yeah. a bug? Yeah, you're named after a bug, <laughs> and and she's she's like, "Well, what type of a name is Chance?" And Jean Claude Van Damme says. My mama took one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a line that was in like all the trailers for this yeah. movie. And Kadish has said that every day <laughs> since we watched that movie. I love how ridiculous that line is. <laughs> fantastic. I, I, I can't He's like, babe, it. babe, my mama took a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. But, but my second favorite scene <laughs> is where uh, they're in the bayou and they're running away from these guys hunting them. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme and the woman. <laughs> where the f*** did they get the I, helicopter? I, I know where he's going with it. <laughs> and th- there's a scene where a snake comes oh, out. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a rattlesnake, poisonous rattlesnake. It's about to bite this, you know, gnat. And uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, lightning fast, reaches out and grabs it. And before it can bite him, he literally punches it out. He knocks, <laughs> knocks it out it with out. a punch. <laughs> And, 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 he doesn't kill it. He doesn't no, no. kill it. He just renders it unconscious. And, and that then, way they then, can use it later. And then he sets a trap because he pulls off the snake's rattle. He, he, doesn't, no, he doesn't pull, pull it off. He bites it he off. He bites, bites it off the snake's rattle so that it can't warn yeah. people that are hunting them. 
And then he sets a trap. So like when someone trips this trip wire, the snake like attacks them <laughs> from a tree <laughs> and bites them on the face. The worst, <laughs> the worst snake attack I've ever yeah, seen. It bad. looked, it came from like 20 feet away, like an arrow just... <laughs> You know, it just looked like a vacuum hose. <laughs> Somebody like super glued teeth on to. There's there's things in this movie that just had me, just had me rolling in, in my chair. It was yep. just like it's like you know it's like why does this police detective have this strange woman and her transient boyfriend <laughs> walk, investigating crimes with her? Now. Well, they set, okay. they set that up by showing that the police were on strike. Okay, and so they didn't have any real backup in the city, and that's like, why that's why the I'm going to go there. to the police station and file a missing persons report, and I'm going to investigate the report with the cop. Yeah, <laughs> with my transient. Pay attention, Atlanta. It was, it was, it was the '90s. That happened all yeah. the time. For real. You need yeah. help for real. Just. Also, you know, get and I love these people <laughs> to help you. <laughs> <laughs> these these movies. It's like. The thugs are are worse shots than stormtroopers. Yep, can't hit anything. And John Claude, as good as he is a kicker, he can't miss anything with a gun. <laughs> well, he was. It's incredible. He's in a shotgun. So it, it was well, no, I'm talking like when he's like surfing on the motorcycle. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the gas tank, and he jumps over the oh, thing. The explosions. And he, oh yeah, the explosions oh, were great. That's the biggest set piece in the movie, though, that we got to talk about, which is yeah, the the, the game of chicken between the SUV <laughs> and, and the motorcycle. Uh-huh. That John Claude surfs on, yep, and then jumps over the SUV uh, yeah. when it impacts. Um, yep. It became a skateboard instead yeah, of a motorcycle. It, it, it is the, the most ridiculous. And plus, it, it's funny because like you can see the shots where it's obviously the stunt man, yeah, and then the shots with John Claude Van Damme, and it's like over cranked. You can tell they're going like two miles an hour. Oh man, that, was, that, that stunt was, man's hair was even better than John Claude. Yeah, that was, <laughs> was that was the dope. point where the movie completely jumped the shark. Oh for yeah, <laughs> when he jumps like, over the SUV. Really? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. far. Like, yeah, it, it was like okay, I'm it, done. It, he was it, on board up until then, and we weren't even to Wilfred Brimley yet. And yeah, you can divide this movie up to, to pre-motorcycle surfing and post-motorcycle <laughs> surfing because a- after that scene, they go into the bayou and it's like a t- completely different movie. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> because the, the entire third act, the, the, the climax takes place in a, uh, in a is- Mardi Gras... Uh, graveyard warehouse. Yes. In the, in the middle of the swamp. Which in is the middle real. Of the swamp, yeah. Which is real. I want to press, preface this. Preface. I want to preface this with the fact that those graveyards of those giant like floating parade for the Mardi Gras, oh, thing, yeah. that's a real thing. Oh, yeah. And I'm I feel like this was probably shot in a real Mardi Gras graveyard. I don't think they built all that stuff. I think that was probably like, hey, here's this warehouse of all this rotting stuff. No, no, stuff. I think they actually did film a lot of this movie in New Orleans. They, they filmed all of it there. Yeah, yeah, so that's one thing I wanted to talk about was like, I have... Have have has, has everyone here been to New Orleans before? No, I've never been there. Okay, so we have. I've been there several times. And uh, it during this movie is the least crowded I have ever seen <laughs> yeah, they're, any they're street in, the French in New quarter. Orleans they're in, in the my French life. Quarter, and there's no one there. <laughs> yeah, they're like the only people. It's like, I oh, don't know. the shootout? Like any time. Yeah. Like in the middle of the day, she like goes to a diner. Everyone's in the diner. No one's on the street. And like these thugs come out and they're like, we're just going to rape this girl right here against your <laughs> car. The and there's no one oh, on the street. Yeah. Like the homeless guy comes running through. There's like, there's like six people on the street at that point. Cause he needed to yell help to people. Like there was no one. I was like, this is ridiculous. That was the, from the beginning opening shot. I was like, this is new Orleans. 
There's no people around. Yeah, there's, and it's no, completely empty. No, I called bullshit from the opening <laughs> scene. I was like, bullshit. You would never be able to walk down a street in New Orleans with no people. Unless, it w- unless this movie was set in the post-apocalypse. It is set up in the movie. They mentioned that. Well, the reason, when you said this a little bit ago, but uh, in, the reason why they're there is because the city is in unrest yeah, the, and it's the, the, easy to get away with crimes. The police department's on strike yeah. at, at this point. I don't point. remember that part. You don't remember that? It no, was a conversation of like, we move around it, it didn't matter. different parts when, of the when, world. When Nat went to uh, the cop to put in the missing persons report for her dad, um, they had police um, picketing out in front. And so like they were kind of setting up that there was a police strike going on. And uh, basically um, the reason that the hunts were taking place in New Orleans at that moment were because they could get away with it. They could get away with killing people without worrying about the police kind of cracking down on them. And they travel to all these different places that have like, you know, um, civil unrest uh, specifically so that they can have these hunts uh, without, being interfered with. Man, there's probably all kinds of hunts going on around the country right now. <laughs> Tell me about it, right? <laughs> that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you. Um, we'll go around the table real quick. Would you be able to survive this movie if Hell you were no. one of the volunteers? No. No? Not at all. No? Jude? I, I can't take on both Lance Hendrickson and Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I got bad knees. You got bad knees? <laughs> 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 what about you, Vader? Could you survive being a volunteer? No, no, <laughs> hell no! You oh, think I could. you could? Hell yeah! Back in back in the day, maybe. Hell yeah, I could. Not right now. Those I'm guys like, didn't even try to dude, escape. Dude, I, I would be that. They guy. ran in a straight line. <laughs> I would be that guy hiring the homeless people to pass out porn flyers, <laughs> <laughs> getting his ear cut off with a pair of scissors. Oh, yeah. that guy. Oh man, this movie is. I would have done a. I would have done a better job if I was the girl looking for her dad. Though I think I could have survived better than Nat could, but. As one of the homeless volunteers, nah, dude, I'm dead. Five minute head start, I might as well just sit down. I'm not even going to run for my last five minutes of life. I'm just going to sit down. I I did have to laugh. You reminded me of that scene when when John Claude comes and kicks the thugs' ass, that they just got her bent over that car. Yeah. And she stays bent over the entire fight. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't notice that. And they're like holding, he's like holding her down while he's like kicking her ass or something. It was was funny. It's just like, that's really indignant. Really, really not a flattering scene for that chick in that movie. But it's also funny because like they they add in like this like kind of forced romance between Chance and, and Nat. Oh yeah. And in the uh, director's cut, there's actually like a sex scene where like her and and, Ch- and John Claude like get it on. Was there boobs? Really? I I don't know. Um, but the. Uh, <laughs> Did you have your hand over your eyes? The. the uh, <laughs> um, they they cut it out because they were trying to get the R rating and um, because the MPA originally gave us an NC 17, which is like the kiss of death for the movie. So they, I think this movie went through like 18 different versions or something like that, where they they were trying to like cut it down without completely destroying. uh, Which which explains why it's so choppy. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But like there's so much stuff in this movie that is just like, you don't get from most movies. Like there's a scene where John Claude Van Damme kicks a guy in the face and then unloads a clip right into his belly uh, with oh, his yeah. with his pinky finger. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh no, that's the yeah, that's the bump stock. That's the bump stock but, technique. But but another really interesting thing here was that um, you get to see like actors' faces as they're impacted with like the punches uh, in here, and that that's like that's not CGI. No, no, that's real stunt. Work. Yeah, and and I mean like 
you can kind of recognize the guys who are like getting kicked in the face and stuff <laughs> because like you've seen them in other movies uh, as stuntmen. But um, like, like it's just, it's John Woo's style. It's just this over the top balletic, like beautiful violence um, that, that he does really well. And, and the whole final act where like they're dual wielding pistols and firing at each other point blank and missing and stuff like that. <laughs> like that's all like, like yeah, the whole scene where they're, where they're back to back on yeah. the wall. Oh, that was, yeah. that was classic John Woo there. Yeah, you've oh, yeah. seen that in lots of movies. But. Yeah, there, there's a scene where Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Vosloo are on uh, opposite sides of this wall. They're yeah. kind of like having a little conversation at, each at, other. as they're like reloading their Imhotep, <laughs> for people who yeah. don't know that. That's who that was. Imhotep from yeah, the Mummy. I could, it's like, I know who that guy is. Yeah, I've seen him in other movies, but I could not I'm figure not it out. Yeah. We got to talk about that movie someday. Someday. God, I love that movie. Yeah, and there's a scene where they're like, they're reloading their guns and having a little conversation and they just turn around and like point their <laughs> guns at each right other. <laughs> miss, and, miss, and, miss. But, but they're shooting through a wall, so like that's why they're missing. They can't see each other. This movie is the very definition of what I like to call awesomely bad movies. Like it's so hard to watch, but you can't turn away. It's awesomely bad. That third act it's inside, terrible. The, inside the warehouse and tried the graveyard. That was, I loved it. Every minute I was mm-hmm. like, yes, give me more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of chalked this movie up to movies that I'm glad I rewatched. Yeah. But I'm not going to care if I don't see it again for 15 <laughs> years. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, like, like, there's that scene where in, in that warehouse where Jean Claude Van Damme lures one of the uh, motorcycle guys towards him, and he kicks a can of gasoline. Oh yeah. Up in front of the guy's <laughs> face, and then shoots it with a shotgun, and it just it, blows it up. Yeah. It yeah. Just everybody's blows using up. incendiary rounds in this movie because every shot is an explosive. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and we, there, and then Wilford Brimley's there with his bow and arrow. I was just going to say we need to talk more about Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like he's on horseback shooting a bow and arrow. <laughs> yep. he's, he's Rambo. He's like galloping to battle. And, and, and they do one of those fake outs where like they, they shoot him. So you think, Oh no, uncle Duvet is dead. <laughs> and then like at, at the end, af, after all the bad guys are dead, they, they go to uncle Duvet and he sits up and he's like, Oh, this is bad. And he pulls out his, his flask that <laughs> caught the bullet from, <laughs> from his inside vest pocket. He's like, oh, no, that was my favorite flag. He, he does this very terrible French Cajun accent oh, yeah. the oh, whole terrible. movie I that kind of comes and goes. Yeah. It's so awful. Because Wilford Brimley's original accent is just kind of like very kind of ca- cowboyish. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and to, to listen to him try to do like a French Creole accent, it's, just uh-huh. like, it's so cringy. It's <laughs> so cringeworthy. It's a fantastic mustache. Though. Uncle Wilford. <laughs> yes. Fantastic mustache. Uncle Duvet. Uncle Duvet. Oh, yeah. So, I love... One of the things I've learned about this, uh, watching all these Jean-Claude movies, is that every single movie so far, except for Street Fighter, um, has had a very specific reason as to why he's French. And I just wanted to give him a little credit for having a little bit of backstory as to why Jean-Claude is French, even though he's an American hero and he's all these other movies, American well, soldiers. Well, a lot of people in, in New Orleans are... Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was well, like, man, that's... That's solid. Funny, solid writing. Yeah. Funny enough, though, like once they cast Jean Claude, they actually rewrote the script to give him less dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need dialogue, man. He just maybe mama took a chance. just punched people. His mama took a chance. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, if he, they need to do a resurgence after this Van Johnson's show. They need to do a Highlander rework, a redo, and he can play the Sean Connery role. Ooh. Of, of he can French, be the Spaniard. Of, <laughs> of Spaniard. A French Spaniard. <laughs> French Spaniard. <laughs> Get Christopher Lambert. <laughs> All right. So scale of one to ten. Ooh. Um, 
Yeah, so, yes, yeah, so what's your final rating? Okay, so for an actual On the movie, scale of awesomely bad. Awesomely not, bad scale. Yeah, okay, yeah. this is not, not a regular not movie like, scale. This is a film. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Stick your nose up. My film rating for this movie is like probably three, maybe two out of ten. Okay. It's terrible. The editing is but terrible. But on, on the scale of awesomely bad. Awesomely bad, it's got to be a, like a nine. Mm-hmm. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Up there with the awesomely bad. Kadish, what about you? With film score and then uh, awesomely bad score. So, um, as a, as a, from a writing perspective, it's probably a three. Um, but from like a fan of John Woo perspective in terms of filmmaking and stuff like that, I'd give it a a seven. Awesomely bad nine. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Jude. Like, like, like this is definitely one of of my guilty pleasure movies. Oh, for sure. It is. Is this your 1998 Godzilla? Not necessarily. Um, like j- all of John Woo's American movies are kind of guilty pleasure because none of them are really good. Like Face Off. Oh my God. If we ever do it. If oh, we I, ever love that movie. I love that movie too. Um, Face Off was his next one after this, right? I, if it wasn't, it was, you know, right after that one. Um, but uh, like I, I'm such a fan of his Hong Kong work that, you know, to me, like there's just something special about John Woo movies. And I think I have a bit more rose colored glasses when it comes to his stuff than, you know, the average moviegoer would simply because I have so much respect for him. Cause this, this is a guy like we wouldn't have the matrix if it wasn't for John Woo's style of filming action. We wouldn't have John wick if it wasn't for John. Oh, Woo. for sure. So like this was the guy who basically came in and, and broke Hollywood out of the, the 1980s action mold. Like he was the one who kind of ushered us into this modern age of, of action movies. So I just have a soft spot in my heart for John Woo films. That's fair. I can dig it. Jude, what would you do for film score? Stick your nose up and then awesomely bad score. Film score. This is, this is a one or a zero for me. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's rough. Okay. But on the scale of awesomely bad, like nine or 10. Okay. What would you rate the mullet? Oh, it's a real good mullet. I give this mullet, (laughs) I give it, a seven on the scale of length. There's um, longer mullets. Well, <laughs> there's the Joe Dirt mullet. Like Billy Ray Cyrus. Like a mullet. ten would be so short in the front that it's like spiky. Okay. And then really long in the back. That's a ten. Okay. So he had a little bit of. But length. for the uh, awesomely wetness, the moisture of it, <laughs> the moisture I, of the mullet. I give it. A, I give it an eight point five. Quite a moist Almost mullet. made me spit out my beer. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Uh, the moistness level <laughs> of his, his mullet. She described a mullet by saying moist. <laughs> it's like, how moist did his mullet make you? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like when, when Nat sees him after the, his car is clear of the way, he's just like, ooh, look at that mullet. You're making me cry. <laughs> Is it a the Triple H wetness <laughs> or <laughs> what's the name of the camera move where it's like a it focuses in but at the same time pans out? There's a you zoom in with the camera and you pull back with the dolly. Yeah, it, it's that Scorsese move. Yeah, what is that called? There's a specific name for it though. I can't remember. I, I feel like it's a it's a parallax dolly, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, it's some fancy name for it. But I recognized it right away and I was like, oh, they're doing the move. It's the Jaws move when he's on the beach and he realizes there's a shark in the water. It's that. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, Said Brett the Hitman heart moist. <laughs> <laughs> he did look like Brett the Hitman heart. <laughs> he, he, he needed the mirrored shades. What about you, Vader? On a, on a film scale, what would you give it versus a... Uh, uh, probably a three and around a nine. Yeah. Yeah. We're all about the same. 
that's our discussion on Hard Target. Please go check this movie out. It's freaking fantastic. You will not regret it. Uh, before we move on to the next subject, which is Street Fighter, I wanted to let you guys know that you can check out this podcast on YouTube. SaltyNerdVideo.com takes you straight to our YouTube channel. You can like, subscribe. We have all of our content there, our full episodes, two, three hours long. And what we do is we split those things up in nice digestible seb- uh, segments based off of subject of the podcast for your listening pleasure. So it doesn't take you two hours. So if you just want to listen to a little bit or half an episode or whatever, it's right there. Please like, subscribe, comment, let us know what you're thinking, let us know what you want to listen to. And uh, we would look forward to interacting with you online. That's saltynerdvideo.com takes you straight to our YouTube channel. <sighs> Whose freaking idea was it to watch this movie? It was mine. <sighs> Okay, look. Wait, you got the double dip this week? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was also his idea. That, to that do. never happens again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I forgot we were supposed to watch Street Fighter, and I watched half of Double Impact first, and I was like, man, this is a freaking cool movie. Isn't Double uh, Impact a video game movie too? I don't know. You're I don't think Double so. Dragon. Double, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. No, Double yeah. Impact was when he had a twin brother, and he didn't know, and they were like complete opposites. Like one was a straight-laced dude, and the other dude was like some crime lord guy. So it was a Disney movie? It was pretty freaking cool, though. Like I was into it, and it was violent, and it was had a cool fight scene. Did it have boobs? Because Vader's not going to watch it if it doesn't have boobs. I don't, I don't know. There's I, no boobs in this movie either. <laughs> <laughs> it was very That's disappointing. That's why I was so upset when you walked in today. This is a freaking Cartoon Network movie. Street Fighter. We're talking about Jean-Claude Street <laughs> Fighter. Matthew Kadish set the table for us. What the hell is this stupid movie all about? <laughs> all right, so this is a movie based off of the Capcom video game Street Fighter 2. Not the first Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2. And basically, the story of this movie is that um, M. Bison is this uh, dictator in this kind of country of Pantaloo or something like that. Jambaloo. Shadaloo. Shadaloo. Sounds very racist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, he's been developing these, uh, these high-tech weapons that have allowed him to basically invade and take over all the surrounding uh, countries. And so, uh, and so basically, his... Um, uh, his conquest has garnered the ire of all the civilized countries who see all the war crimes he's committing. So the AN, not the UN, this is the, <laughs> this is the allied nations, uh, send in their troops to try to contain um, Bison's um, conquest. And uh, while they're kind of like trying to keep him from conquering more of these third world countries, he's building up, he's... Um, kind of partnering with this criminal element to smuggle him uh, new weapons and technology so that he can eventually, you know, take over the world. And he has this, uh, this vision of, uh, he calls it Bisonopolis, which is the, the um, perfect city. And uh, basically he's going to control uh, the entire world and, and force them to have peace by being a dictator. And Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, plays the character of Guile, Colonel Guile, who is the head of the AN troops. And uh, he teams up with these street fighters to try to infiltrate Bison's secret, secret lair, find out where he is, and then assault him, assault the lair, and you know, take him out once and for all. And then you, you basically have this final climactic uh, battle between uh, Bison's henchmen and the AN allied people. God, this movie is so bad. Kidnapped his best friend and turned him into a monster. Yeah. Turn them in the hole. The, the funny part that like a debunked Captain America. I love how they were like muscle mass is increased by ninety percent. And yeah. the guy came out and it was like he didn't look Skinny, any bigger. Yeah, he he look just big. looked like some like 
Yeah, I was expecting some kind of bane thing. You look like you had like Batman. a runner's body. <laughs> <laughs> just a bad, I was like, that guy's kind of spelled. A terrible red wig. <laughs> like yeah. the skinny dude comes out. His, his nostrils were a little bit flared. But... He had like a Klingon forehead. <laughs> well, it, it was funny because the actor who played Blanca, which is the character you're talking about, um, he only was used for close-ups. So he had to get like three hours of like makeup and prosthetics and stuff. And then they just use his stunt double for like the long shots and stuff for, for doing like all, all yeah. like the physical activity. And he, and he was just like, so why did I go through four hours of makeup <laughs> uh-huh. for like, you know, for like two seconds of screen time? That's ridiculous. You know, I, the, I have nothing to say about this movie. Dude, I was terrible. I was, I was shocked at how many actual fairly good actors are in this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. People got their start with this movie. No, or their end. <laughs> and, and Raul I mean, Julia's Raul case, Julia, yeah. this is his last movie. Yeah. Who's that? His, the bad guy? Yeah, he yeah. was Bison. Okay. He was yeah, also he in the Adams Family movies. So this yeah. was this it, was 94 and Hard Target was that I think 93 actually. Okay. Oh wow, they you came know, out that close together. Yeah. yeah. So what was John Claude thinking? Uh, I'm thinking he, I need he, money for my coke habit. He, he was is thinking that all this is? He was thinking <laughs> he was going to get 8 million dollars, which was the the biggest payday of his career at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like he had just come off of, of I um, do I do Street Fighter for eight million dollars. Yeah. He had just come off of time. <laughs> Would you Cop. go blonde for for eight yeah, million dollars? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dime me up. So he had he had just come up off of Time Cop, which was his highest grossing movie in, in ever, basically. It made over a hundred million dollars at the box office. And so he was like really like the big in demand action star in Hollywood at this point in time. And so um one of the one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this movie is because the actual behind the scenes making of this movie was so much more interesting than the actual movie itself. Good because the actual movie was not interesting. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was pretty bad. But it's like, so it, boring. if you know everything that like went into the making of this movie, like it becomes so much more of an interesting film to watch. Because okay, so first of all, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get super deep into it, let's go around the table and get our general thoughts on the movie. Uh, I I was I was watching this and I was like, this is like a bad kids movie, mm-hmm. like Air Bud level bad. Yeah, and I I could not for the life of me understand why any of these actors would sign up for this movie. Yeah, so both and, movies. And- Sorry. No, go ahead. And both movies that we're talking about today are not good movies. However, the difference is, is that Hard Target is like that awesomely bad, and this is just bad. Yeah, it's, it's just a fun. bad movie. I think you you texted me. You were like, "I want my three dollars back for the <laughs> rental fee." It was like, "Good lord!" I was kind of annoyed that some of these actors would actually be in this movie. Wes Studi, he's great. He played the eye patch guy. Oh, okay. Sagat. You know, two years earlier, he was he was Magua. In Last of the Mohicans. Mm. Great. <laughs> fantastic character. Kylie Minogue. Yeah, yeah. Ky- Kylie Minogue is in it. It's like Oscar level movies me, that me, these people are in and he's doing win. this piece of shit. I, I just, I couldn't understand it. Yeah, the, there's got to be something. I mean, I'm sure Kej is going to fill us in. Well, yeah. Like I, what drew people into this I think this originally movie. it was set to be like this big blockbuster movie and it was just a total flop. It looked like a, it, a, it wasn't a, a flop. Episode. What time? It what, wasn't? Was it? No, it was it, it it rivaled Time Cop's uh, box office profit. What? It, it, when did it, was, it, it was a budget of thirty million, and it made over a hundred million. Oh, that explains office. why everything looks so crappy. Yeah, and when did when did Mortal Kombat come out? It came out the same year. <clears throat> was it so they were competing with Mortal Kombat? Well, then? basically, Jean Claude Van Damme was offered the role of Johnny Cage in Mortal mm. Kombat, and yeah. he turned it down to do this movie because Mortal Kombat, as bad as it is, it's ten times better than this movie. I thought, you know, I don't think it's I've just, ever seen Mortal Kombat movie. It's terrible. It was a lot more but faithful it's, it's to the source material. Yeah. 
There's actual, you know, this it, fighting. This, it's so, so it's so badly campy. Oh my god, yeah. It felt like a Power Rangers episode. Yeah. It looked like a Power Rangers episode. Yeah. It wasn't the Power sets. Rangers is better. <laughs> <laughs> the sets and the and the costumes, they look uh-huh. so like cosplay like yeah. not good cosplay either. Yeah. Power Rangers is way better choreographed than this. It's just this looked like there there's a reason trash. for that though. Yeah. All right. So Go ahead, now, fill us in, man. Fill us in, man. What 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 Don't happened? What happened to this movie? Why is it so bad? Uh, so and how much. did they get so many people? And could it have been better? To get into it. Yeah, could it have been it, better? It definitely could have been better. So first of all, you have to realize that... Um, so the guy who was the writer and director of this, his name was Steven S. D'Souza. And this is a guy who's responsible for some of like, the big, biggest 80s action movies uh, you can think of. So like he wrote Die Hard. He wrote 48 Hours. He wrote Commando. And this was his first directing gig. And the way it came about was that um, Capcom was going around shopping this out to Hollywood as like, you know, cause like their game was like super popular at the time. And so they went to Hollywood and they're like, Hey, we want to make a movie version of this. And so all the studios were kind of bidding for it. And, uh, I believe universal called up Steven D'Souza <clears throat> and was like, Hey, we have the Capcom guys coming in. Uh, we need to pitch them something. Can you come in and you know do the pitch for us? And so he came in and he was like, "Okay, I'll do my pitch if you agree to let me direct this." And they were like, "Okay, you know if if you can get us this deal, we'll, we'll let you direct." And so he kind of pitched the idea to Capcom, where he came up with this idea that instead of doing it like kind of like a, a martial arts tournament thing, it was going to be more like a spy movie where you had like the evil genius M Bison with his secret lair. And the uh, AN guys would have to like come in and basically be like, you know, James Bond and, you know, fight this guy. And the Capcom guys had kind of been leaning in that direction anyway. So when they heard his pitch, they're like, we're, out, we're totally on the same page. And so they decided to go with Universal for it. And, uh, you know, being his first directing gig, Universal didn't want to put too much money into this. So like they gave him like $30 million and uh, uh, offered him something like, I think, like a 60 day shoot or something like that in both, in both Thailand and, uh, and Australia. And so basically, uh, you know, this was, you know, Steven D'Souza's first directing gig. He, he also wrote the movie and originally he was going to cast like a bunch of unknowns because Capcom wanted all 19 street fighter characters in the movie. And D'Souza was like, like people lose track of, of characters after seven. He's <laughs> like, we can't do more than seven. And Capcom kept saying like, well, what about this character? What about this character? So he, he eventually got them to agree to nine. So they're like nine main characters. In what did movie. Avengers infinity war have? It had way, way more, but I mean like you had gotten to know those characters over the, yeah, course, over the course of like 10 movies. years. We yeah. kind of knew who these people were. But, there, but there's a reason why seven works because you have like the seven samurai, the magnificent seven, yeah. stuff like that. But anything more than that, audiences tend to lose track of like who characters are. Especially in one movie. So originally he wanted to cast a bunch of unknowns and train them to, to fight and, and then like, you know, go and shoot the movie. And Capcom, because they were co-financing it, they were like, we really want a... Um, like a big star to be in this movie. And so they uh, decided, hey, uh, Universal has a four-picture deal with you know Jean-Claude Van Damme. Let's get Jean-Claude Van Damme for this. And Jean-Claude Van Damme was like, well, if you want me, you know, you're going to have to pay me. So like they decided to pay him $8 million so to, the to be in this movie. The full budget of the movie is $30 million. Yeah. And he got eight? He, he, got he eight. almost got a third of the budget? Yes. 
God. And then, and then, get this. I'm trying to find out how much Kylie Minogue made for it. <laughs> and, and, and then, so like, then they decide to cast Raul Julia as, as the bad guy. And he's like a major actor as well. So um, basically, I think that was like another $6 million for Raul oh Julia. So, uh, so ten million dollars to make this movie. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, Kylie Minogue is like Australia's like Michael Jackson. She's yeah. like like the highest grossing performer of all time in Australia. Yeah. Wow. So, so basically, uh, how she came about because they were shooting in Australia, uh, D'Souza was getting a lot of flack from the uh, Australian Actors Guild for not using any Australians in his movie. And so on a flight to Australia to meet with these guys, he saw a magazine with Kali Minogue on the cover huh. and he was like, she'll do. <laughs> and that's how he decided to cast her because he, he needed to throw a bone to the Australian Actors Guild because uh, they were shooting there. And so like by casting her, he basically solved one of his, his you know, headaches in directing this movie. Oh. But because of the casting of Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, he had no money to hire any other actors. So he basically had to like, just kind of go with what he could get a bunch of extras, but yeah, but, but a bunch of people who'd like um, either weren't well known or hadn't done like movies before. Like this was Ming Na Wen's first movie, I believe. And uh, also the, the guy who plays Balrog, the, the black boxer guy. Oh God. Uh, he he was agent Johnson from Die Hard. I don't know if you uh, recognized him from that. Uh, uh-uh. the, the no relation that haircut on that dude. Well, Spread it was video, 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 video game accurate. Yeah. Damn. All, all of their costumes were great. Haircuts, costumes, everything. Those right uh, out of the video. Who was the uh, the guy that his his dialogue was so bad? Well, all their dialogue. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. You said yeah. um, wasn't he originally supposed to be Jean Claude's character? Oh, or something? okay. So there. So basically, the character of Ryu, who's like the main character from oh, the video yeah, games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryu. He he was like the the Asian kind of like hero guy. Yeah, he's the Bruce Lee fighter. Yeah, yeah. the Bruce Lee fighter. And uh, in like when they were casting the movie. They casted the, this this one actor, Stephen D'Souza did, who uh, was like, you know, he spoke English very well, but he wasn't a fighter. You know, like he's just a good actor. And you'll recognize him from other things. I forget the actor's I've name. I've seen him a couple, yeah. I've seen but, him um, so, but Capcom wanted a Japanese action star to, to play that role. And so they were like, we want you to cast this guy. Uh, his name was Kenya Samada. And uh, he was basically like a, a really big draw in Japan and Capcom wanted, you know, people in Japan to come out in droves for this movie. So they're like, you have to cast him as, as Ryu. You have to cast him as Ryu. And Stephen D'Souza is like, well, all right, cast Ryu. We, we got this guy. And they're like, well, you need to figure out a way to get this guy in, in our movie. <laughs> and so he created a whole new character for him um, as, as part one of the uh, like AN like commanders or something like that. And uh, the guy came in and he, he could barely speak English. <laughs> and so like, so like this is the guy that Capcom wanted to, to be headlining their movie, by the way. So uh, he, he comes in for this role that um, was made up for him and he knew that he lost out to this English speaking actor. So he was like really bitter uh, about it. And uh, if you watch the movie, uh, all of his lines are very obviously dubbed, like overdubbed. It's so bad. Yeah. Which, which guy? And uh, his name was like... Uh, it's like a general or a commander or something. I don't remember. Yeah, the actor's name was Kenya Samada. I checked out of this movie. I couldn't watch it. But but it's it, it's funny because the only part in the movie where he wasn't overdubbed was when he spoke something in Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the the whole like drama behind this film was very interesting because this was at like Jean Claude Van Damme's peak like prima donna phase. 
he was he was basically uh, he had a ten thousand dollar a week cocaine habit. God damn! And he would show up to set coke out of his mind, and it was so bad that the studio had to hire a handler to come out and try to keep him under control. But apparently, the handler was like a big partier as well. So like, <laughs> so like he just, he just enabled Jean-Claude. Oh my God. Like, oh, yeah. like they would go to Hong Kong for the weekend and then like they wouldn't come back on like until like late on Monday when like the shootings already like, like we're scheduled to shoot on Monday and Jean-Claude Van Damme comes, comes back. Wait, where night. do they shoot? So they shot in Thailand. Okay. And they shot in Australia. Okay. So they were in, they were shooting in Thailand. They would go to Hong Kong. And just like disappear for a couple of days for for the weekend, yeah, for the weekend, and yeah. then not come back until halfway yeah. through the shooting. Oh, yeah, I'm looking That's at this so right now, right? Dude. I'm looking on IMDb, and you can tell they didn't put a lot of effort into Mr. Sawada's character because number one, I watched this movie this morning. <laughs> I don't remember this character, but Kenya Sawada's character in the movie is named Captain Sawada. <laughs> <laughs> no lie. That's awesome. That's and they funny. were just like, just yeah, make him a just character. Put him in. Just put him in. <laughs> put him in somewhere. Yeah, put him in somewhere. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was insanely hard to work with on this movie, apparently. Like he, so he wouldn't come out of his trailer until he was ready. Uh, he would basically, he, he took over like two penthouse suites in the hotel and had a gym built in one of them so he could go work out. Well, he was jacked. Well, well, he, he would say, uh, like, like if he refused to come to the set, they'd be like, Jean-Claude, we need to go shoot. And he's like, no, my muscles aren't ready. <laughs> and I have to pump them up. Yeah. My muscles aren't pumped. That's ready. a thing. Pump, man. That's a thing. Yeah, that is a We're thing. We're here to pump you, you up. up. Like all, all those big workout guys like Schwarzenegger and The Rock, like, yeah, they they work out constantly on set to make sure that they're You got to get that, that swole. Scene. Yeah. You got to get swole for yeah. the scene. So that's legit, but I, <laughs> but like like he wouldn't come out of his trailer, and when they were finally able to coax him out of his trailer to come shoot, uh, he he'd bring like bottles of booze with him, <laughs> and and you know just be drinking on set, and they're like they're like Jean Claude, like for insurance purposes, we can't have you drinking on set, and he, he's like. Yo, I'm John <laughs> so he was in full diva mode oh, yeah. doing this, like, like full diva mode. Like, uh, like, like, like people, like, like the actors hated working with him just because, like, he was just such a prima donna. And and basically, like when, like, like Jean Claude's antics kept putting them behind the shooting schedule. Like, I think like three days in, into shooting, they were already like ten days behind My schedule. God, you know a lot about the backstory of this movie. He, <laughs> well, it's fa- he, he actually does his research. <laughs> yeah, but this is like, I just want to talk about the movie. He's like, no, this is what happened. <laughs> well, you can't talk about the movie unless you talk about this stuff because it had a direct in- impact on the it, film. God, it was terrible. And also, during this time, Jean-Claude Van Damme was cheating on his third wife with Kylie Minogue. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they were very hush-hush about it and would not admit to it until many years later after he was already divorced, <laughs> and, he finally and, admitted. But but he was this affair was happening while his third wife was pregnant with his son. And uh, he had just married this third wife after his second divorce and they were already having problems. Mm-hmm. So it was, He actually married this wife twice. Yeah. What? Yeah, so he this is his third wife. They later divorced. He married someone else and then got divorced and then he remarried his third wife. So God. so there, there was like a lot of this crazy stuff going on and, and everyone on the cast loved Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Um, and she would do cool stuff like like she rented out this bar ne- next to like the, the sound stages so that it was such a stressful shoot that um, 
everyone needed a place to go and unwind. So like she just rented out this bar and she was like, hey, everyone, drinks are on me. <laughs> this movie was a stressful shoot. <laughs> oh, you have no oh, idea. I, I imagine <laughs> it was. You have no idea Be- because in addition to Jean-Claude, like just being like a huge prima donna, like, like, like he was every like stereotype you see of actors behaving badly in Hollywood on this movie. Oh my God. Was it Raul, Raul Julia really sick we're, during we're, the filming? Yeah, too? I'm, I'm going to get to that. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> just wait a second, Jude. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I mean, I just wanted to say something so people just, know I'm still Jude, here. Just sit over there and look pretty. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Yeah. On the podcast. <laughs> podcast that nobody can see. I look really nice today. Just, you guys. I'm two bottles in. I'm good. Just, <laughs> just, just take it away. Okay. <laughs> So, so in addition to Jean-Claude's bad behavior, you had uh, someone who um, caught like this tropical disease from like being exposed to river water in Thailand. Oh, who was that? It was, it was just someone on the crew. Um, and then like you had uh, the, like the first, uh, like the line producer had like a heart attack and uh, like all these people were um, because of, uh, were like the entire cast and crew was malnourished because of the food in Thailand. It was oh. like, it was like really bad. And it, and, and it was so hot that they were like losing water weight. So oh like if you watch the movie, you can tell which scenes are in Thailand and which are in Australia based off of how skinny Is they are. Is that why poor Blanca had no muscles? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but like there, there were things that just kept delaying like the, the shooting of this movie. So like the big thing was Raul Julia. So unbeknownst to everyone when he was cast, he had actually been fighting stomach cancer for like, you know, a number of months. And he had gone in for surgery, and when um, you know he kind of came out of it, he was offered the role of Street Fighter. He knew that his time was numbered, and his kids were such fans of the game. He was like, you know what, I want to do this for my kids, and so that was his impetus for taking on the role. And when uh, he got to the set for to be like fitted for his costume, he was like completely emaciated. He looked like a skeleton because he had just come out of like chemo and he had had the stomach surgery and stuff like that. And so the cast or the costume designer called up Steven D'Souza and she was like, we got a problem. And the original plan for this movie was that they were going to shoot all of, uh, Raul Julia's kind of like, you know, talking scenes at the front of the schedule. And that would give them time to train the actors to do the fighting scenes for the later half of the schedule. And because of Raul Julia's like appearance, they had to wait for him to kind of like get healthier and like put on weight. And so like they had to move that to the back of the schedule, which means all the fight scenes had to be moved to the front. And none of the actors were trained in fighting except for like Jean-Claude Van Damme or like whatever. Um, so it completely screwed up um, this whole plan that D'Souza had for making this movie um, because he basically like had to like reshuffle his shooting schedule on the fly while he was dealing with Jean-Claude Van Damme screwing up his, 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 his you know, shooting schedule as well. And it got so bad that like this, the studio would be like, you know, like you're 10 days behind schedule. You need to, need to do something. And so he would literally just like pull a page out of the script at random and throw it away. He's like, okay, okay. We're, we're caught up now. <laughs> he, he just wouldn't shoot it because he was trying to meet the schedule. And, no and, and, this happened so often that by the time they got into the editing bay, they realized that they were missing like a third of the movie and they had to go back and do reshoots in order to just make the movie make sense. <laughs> and, God, and, and man. one of the funniest things was that, so in order to kind of stay on schedule, they had this dual shooting system where Steven D'Souza would be working with the actors in one soundstage. And then on, in a, 
um, opposite soundstage, they had um, Charlie Pisarini, I think his name is. Uh, he was the stunt coordinator and second unit director on the movie, and he was the guy who was basically you know, the fight coordinator. He was the one who was supposed to be training these guys, the actors to yeah. do this stuff, and he was shooting all the action scenes on the, uh, on the sister soundstage. And when Steven D'Souza would sit down and watch the dailies from the second unit that, that, uh, Pissarini was, was shooting. He, he was like, everyone's fighting the same way. Like, like none of the characters are fighting in a different style. Everyone's fight style is, is just the same. <laughs> and so he went to Pissarini. He's like, dude, what the f are you doing? And he's like, what? <laughs> and and, and, he, and he, he's like, each one of these characters has to have their unique fighting style. And Pissarini pulls an Alex and he, he's like, well, that's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> It's the video game. <laughs> he, he, he's like, he's like, no one, no one would actually fight that way. Like, you know, if you're for fighting, like this is how you fight. And, and D'Souza's like, this is a fucking video game movie, man. <laughs> and, and so like, the, so, and so like the, the director and the second unit director almost came to blows over the fact that the second unit director didn't want to teach the guys how to do unique fighting styles. <laughs> and, and so like D'Souza had to go back and reshoot all like the, the fight scenes to incorporate <laughs> like, like the character's signature moves because that was something Capcom, which was a co-financer on the film, like required. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like, well, it's like, it's their product. Yeah. No wonder yeah. Van Damme didn't want to play. <laughs> Dude, this, I, I get all, it. like hearing all of this, all this behind the scenes drama and then seeing the end result, it's like, what? Why? It's yeah. way too much effort for the what you actually got. Like yeah. Jesus, yeah. just call it quits. And, Pull the plug. And it's funny, the actor who played Ryu, I forget the guy's name, but like you know, the day he he was supposed to have that pit fight with Vega, so he shows up on set. He's having dinner at the craft services or breakfast at the craft services table or whatever, and uh, you know the. The, the PA comes up to him. And Byron he, Mann. Yeah. Is so, his name. so he's like, Mr. Mann, uh, are you ready for your, for your uh, knife fight? And he, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no one had ever trained him on this. And, and so like they put him in this pit fight and they give him a real knife. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That knife that he was like spinning around yeah. himself. That was real. That was Jesus not, Christ. that was not a dull blade. <laughs> So, so, so like he went to one of the stunt guys and, and, and he was like, he was like, show me how to use this and not kill myself. <laughs> and, and so like the, the guy just did like some like twirls for him. And then he, he just tried his best to mimic that oh my uh, God. In, in the actual movie. And, and he, he was like, I could have literally killed someone. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> but like, that's how chaotic this, this movie was. It was just like, like the whole thing was, was just like one huge clusterfuck from beginning to end. Oh my God, and, man. It's and, so sad. It's so sad because yeah. the end of the, the movie's terrible. So it's like all this effort was just for nothing. And, and it was funny because like, you guys remember that, like the part where Jean-Claude Van Damme's character like flies out of that, that um, the, the Blanca chamber and uh, you know, <laughs> delivers that that flying kick to, yeah. to Bison. So like, uh, when when they did that, so Jean Claude Van Damme was so coked out of his mind <laughs> that you know, like they they could only like it took a long time to set up that that thing because like you know you had all these moving parts, you had steam, you had all yeah. this stuff. So Jean Claude Van Van Damme comes out, comes flying out, and he has he has a line and. Uh, so like he flies out, he says his line, then he's like, cut, 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 cut. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why are you cutting? And he's, he's like, I, you know, I said the wrong word in my line. He, he thought he said one thing, but he actually said another. And, and D'Souza's like, no, Jean-Claude, you said the right line. And, and Jean-Claude's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I said this instead. 
And so they're like, well, fuck, okay, well, you know, he ruined the take, so we gotta, <laughs> we gotta go back and redo it. So they went back and redid it, and while they were, like, setting up, D'Souza, like, went back and, and looked at the dailies, and it turns out Jean-Claude Van Damme said the line right, and he was just so coked out of his mind that he thought he said it wrong. <laughs> and so, like, and, and so he, he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just have to do the second take. So they do the second take, and Jean-Claude Van Damme comes flying out, and then he says the line wrong like he thought he did in the first one. And he was like, nailed it. <laughs> D'Souza's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, it makes me sad. <laughs> this whole, it's, it's starting to depress me a little bit just hearing about how terrible the behind the scenes movie was. Yeah. Like, God. Yeah. I guess I understand a- more now why it's so phoned in. Oh yeah, and 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 so it hurts. And and so here here's another thing, which is why this movie is so bad. <laughs> another reason. Another reason. Is this why you have two pages of notes, yeah. front and back? <laughs> so uh, so here, here's an interesting bit. So basically, they were shooting this movie. They needed to get a PG-13 rating, and the very first cut of it, they got an R. And Wait, why? Because uh, at around this time, I think. Is um, he doing what? coke on screen? <laughs> no, no, I can't think of anything that would. Rec- this is like a PG movie. Well, let, let me let me finish the story, man. Sorry, go ahead. Just let him talk. Just let him talk. <laughs> so around this time, I, th- I think there had been like a school shooting or something like that. So the MPA was like kind of like going hard against like all types of violence. So sounds familiar. So they were like, well, the movie can't be R-rated. So like they went back and they like started like like re-editing it, and they submitted it a couple more times and it kept coming kept coming back R R R R. And God, so who it, was the person who had to watch this movie over and over again? <laughs> Someone at the NBA. <laughs> so finally, D- D'Souza just takes like a just takes like a knife to this thing and just like cuts the shit out of it. Um, and he submits it to the MPA and he's like, "Okay, there's no way they're not going to give me a PG-13 off this." So they come back and they're like, "Congratulations, we're giving you a G rating." <laughs> <laughs> and D'Souza's like, "What? No teenager's going to go see a G-rated movie." <laughs> and so he had to go back and, and ba- basically. He didn't have any budget left, <laughs> any money left to redo. So like he got Jean-Claude Van Damme to come in and, and say the word shit and just like put it in the movie. And they're like, okay, you get a PG-13. Oh my God. <laughs> so like one shit gave them the, uh, the rating that they the wanted. What the shit you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about this movie anymore. God, that's terrible. <laughs> but but this movie ended up being, You're going to talk about <laughs> it. What did He's I just say? <laughs> this movie You're going to listen to it. Ended up being Jean-Claude Van Damme's second highest grossing movie ever. Wow. How? I don't understand. I don't how. either. People are weird, man. This is. I know. I'm going to get a bunch of hate from this. You don't like street. Who player? are you, people that pay to see this movie other than Vader? I, I, I rented <laughs> it too. I rented it. I I'm saw like, it in the theater did? when it came out. Did you really? Yeah. Were you like? I was a huge Street Fighter fan. Were you enthralled with it? No, I thought it was terrible. Okay. Good, actually, okay. actually, in rewatching it, I thought it was better. Like now that I'm older, <laughs> it's still a bad movie. But I, I was like, I don't remember it being, you know, um, this okay. <laughs> like, like it was much like, like, like when I saw it in the theater I thought it was much worse than, so, uh, than it was when on my rewatch here is, is this is the start of the video game movies right one of the this well, and, and Mortal Kombat were kind of like the beginning of no, that no, era the, I was looking at Mortal Kombat right now actually like it came out in 95 so the, was, the year before was Mario Brothers oh god yeah and so this was like uh, kind of extent extending <sighs> that string of really bad video game movies this is why we can't have good nice things I don't remember the Mario Brothers you don't movie. oh 
God, that is the worst movie I've ever don't, seen. Please don't make me watch it. If you guys make us watch that, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It'll be for our video game episode. It's so bad. It's so This week bad. on the Salty Nerd Podcast, we are auditioning <laughs> people to replace Vader. <laughs> <laughs> they got John Leguizamo to play an Italian. God, uh, man. Oh, <laughs> that's vaguely familiar now. Oh, yeah, the Goomba, Bob Hoskins. Goombas or Goombas or whatever the frick those things they, are called. They, they got uh, Goombas. Uh, Goombas, yeah. Yeah, they they got uh, what's his name, Dennis Hopper, to play uh, King Koopa. Yeah, <sighs> I just like I, I, it's always like that. It's always that thing that happens when a, a, a big major production blockbuster movie comes out, but it's based off a video game. It's just absolute shit. What what about? It was, it's always been that way. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head that has been a decent rendition of a video game to a movie is Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider. Who the, Stephen S. D'Souza wrote that. Did he really? Yeah, the guy who wrote and directed Street Fighter wrote the. Uh, he did a Tomb much Raider better movie. job on Tomb Raider. He did a much better job on Die Hard too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Tomb Raider actually has a story attached to it. Yeah, Tomb Raider actually has a story attached to it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and that was a fun movie. Like video game movies are like cursed. Well, how, how about? And I think it's I, I this freaking movie's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you if you noticed this or not, but like in the movie itself, Rod Raul Julia's got like this little like control um like chair thing oh, that he's just see, oh, Did you see the picture and, and, yeah. and, and it, it's literally the the control stick for the <laughs> for, for the street for fighter the arcade game. it's the yeah. arcade thing right? yeah that's yeah. his floating hover thing that's yeah. how he controls it yeah, with they, the arcade they literally controls. just put that on his his <laughs> his control chair it's I just like i can't but but i was actually surprised on the rewatch uh at how accurate they made a lot of these characters to their video game counterparts like when I first saw this movie, I, I wasn't too happy with the um, with how they translated the characters because in the video games, um, Ryu and Ken are like the main characters, and they made mm-hmm. Gaul the main character in this one. Um, but um, they like in watching it again, like I noticed, like oh wow, like they actually did a really good job. So kind of like translating. Just a quick comment on that: the their, their outfits are video game accurate, but it is one hundred percent the argument against why you don't want to be 100% video game accurate. Yeah. You know, like when people it like we're bitching about the Avengers and oh, yeah. stuff like that, you know, well, just their office will look stupid on the movie screen and they're right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta fix these things Some up. Artistic. You yeah. Know, liberty. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause like my favorite character in the movie actually isn't one of the, the video game characters. Was, you have a favorite character. I, in I, movie? Do. Is it Vega? I do. My no, God. No, it was, it was DJ. Oh yeah, that's it, right. It was, it was it was M Bison's black sidekick, who uh, who, who ba- basically was, was like right. every stereotypical black guy you could think of yeah. in this movie. Where, asked, where did his boxing gloves come from? No, that, that that's not the guy. Oh, it was no, different. No, no. Guy? no, it's yeah. the guy that like you ask him a question and he's like, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's that guy. I thought that was and then Don Cheadle. And he like steals that big thing of the Raw oh, Julia money. money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and like I enjoyed him because like he was like one of the few like obviously humorous characters in the movie mm-hmm. and him and, and Zangief, the Russian uh, Zangief just, I thought was hilarious in this movie because you know, like at one point DJ's like, like they're not paying or like they paid me a crap load of money to be loyal to this guy. <laughs> He's like, you got paid. <laughs> and he was like, you got paid. And he's like, wait, wait. And then Bison is a bad guy. And then, then when he's fighting E Honda, they have this scene where like they're fighting over the model of, of, um, of Bisonopolis and it looks like a scene from Godzilla. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they had the sound effects and yep. the wars. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, so bad. And the guy they got to play Zangief, the, the Russian, looked just like him from the yeah. video game. Like, like 
picture perfect. Like, yeah, he had a strong beard game going on. Yeah, <laughs> he really did. Like he was, he was the guy who looked the most like his video game counterpart in the movie. It was, it was incredible. God, I can't with this movie, man. All it right. was so bad. Let's wrap it up. Can we wrap it up? Yeah. Can we go around the table? I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is awful. I I'm agree. I agree with Matt. I want my three ninety nine back from Amazon. Like, f- please erase this movie from my memory. <laughs> I'm embarrassed I'm fa- that it's in my viewer history. <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated. By the detailed history and backstory that you gave me over this movie, it is very fascinating. All this cool behind-the-scenes stuff. It's surprising how it turned out, considering all the, yeah. the crap it had. Considering to go how how much of an uphill battle it had, it, it the way it came out, whatever it is. But like, okay, so Kadish, what did you, do you love this movie? No, okay. <laughs> God no. Okay, so on a like on a scale of one to ten, I'd give this thing like a one minus whatever something around that low. Uh, what would you give this movie? <laughs> I'd probably give it a two or a three. Yeah. Wow. That's high praise. Uh, Jude, what about yeah, you? Yeah, I agree with Kadish. It's a two or a three for me. Probably a two. Gets points for being uh, video game accurate. No, I don't give a shit about that. I've just <laughs> seen worse movies. <laughs> it's also sad that this was Raul Julia's last movie because yeah. he's such a good actor. Yeah. yeah. That makes me really, that kind of makes me bummed out because you know the, ki- the his kids, I would assume, probably love this movie because it was like, you know, they were big fans of Street Fighter and then this was, their dad did this big role in that movie. They probably freaking love this movie and that, Really bums me out. <laughs> That's the last one, uh, memory that they have. I'm probably I like how you guys always go off on tangents when it's my turn to give us Go a ahead, Matt Vader. What do you think about this freaking movie? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I'll give it like a 1.2. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. <laughs> I, I could literally talk about the making of this movie for hours. I can't. Well, like, you can do it on so your own stuff. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much stuff to cover in this movie. I can't. I can't talk about it anymore. I'm Next done. week on the Kadish Movie Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started into John claude Van Johnson, I'd like to remind everybody that you guys can go to SaltyNerdStore.com. We have all of our t-shirts, stickers. That's just about it. Go there. Check out what you got. We got mugs. We got mugs. We do have mugs. I'm going to work on get, making some more of those. T-shirts. T-shirts. I said that already. Thank Baby you. bibs. Do we have hats yet? <laughs> we should get babes. <laughs> hats? No. Hats. We don't have hats Let's yet. Let's do hats. Let's do hats. Okay. We'll do hats next week. Go yeah. to SaltyNerdStore.com. There you can check out some of our products. You can help support the podcast and get some cool stuff for it. All right, <clears throat> let's talk about the Amazon Prime original TV show, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. What the last two weeks has been building up to. This is what it's all I've been about, people. to talk about this show for months. This is what it's all about. Okay, we got 15 minutes. During <laughs> this <laughs> portion, we can't let Kadish talk at all. Yeah. <laughs> He's still got two pages of notes over there. <laughs> you get the setup, and then we're going to go around. All right, so uh, uh, Kadish, why don't you set the table for us? What is Jean-Claude Van Johnson all about? So it's an Amazon original series, and it's basically this—it's uh, basically this. <laughs> the setup is, is that Jean-Claude Van Damme is a secret agent who moonlights as an action star, and he, he goes around the world shooting these movies, and you know, when he's not shooting movies, he's going on secret missions to uh, help ensure the freedom of, of you know, the planet. And so his his spy name is Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Johnson, Johnson yeah. but his movie star name is... Jean-Claude Van Damme, right. and his real name is Jean-Claude Van Varenberg. Yes. Mm-hmm. JV or v- JC... JCVV, <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the show kind of centers around Jean-Claude Van Damme coming out of retirement to go back into the spy game in order to win the heart of his long-lost love. Who's like 30 years younger than he yeah. is. <laughs> 
and um, he while he's doing it, he's we we basically get to see all of his best movies crammed into the show <laughs> as plot points. Yes, and uh, it's a very <laughs> self aware meta take on everything Jean Claude Van uh, Damme related. So it, even if you're just kind of like a casual fan of Van Damme, you'll watch this show and just laugh your butt off. Yeah. Um, but if you're like an actual fan of his, like like he does a lot of like really self depreciating like humor in in this movie and it's, I, or in the show, and it's absolutely brilliant. I, yeah, I really wanted to like credit him because he can look at himself like that and make a joke about it and make this TV show that's very like Deadpool level meta, and it's so funny. It it's like works so, so well. Yeah, it was perfect for him. And what's great about this is Kadish and I watched this when it originally came out, like what a year ago, two years ago. Uh, a little bit longer than I think it was 2017. Okay. So we watched it then and we thought it was brilliant and hilarious. Well, then we watched it again for the podcast after we had watched um, Bloodsport and the, the movies that we talked about yeah, um, last, last week. week. And having revisited those movies and then rewatching this and like having all of those tropes uh, fresher in our minds, it was just so much funnier yeah. on the second I mean, watch. I mean, this movie takes on Bloodsport, mm-hmm. um, Double Impact, Time, Time Cop. Cop. Time Cop. Um, just like all of, like even like Hard Target, there's like a few nods to that in there. Um, like, like it just and and you know it, it kind of pokes fun at at, at celebrity culture and oh LA culture. So uh, the one person that I I cannot get out of my head is the freaking California like Metro d- director that's doing <laughs> the oh, movie. Yes. I, the only time like I kept watching this movie. Are we I, filming? I kept imagining Kadish having, <laughs> having to work with somebody like that or being that person. I'm like, oh my God, no wonder he left Hollywood. <laughs> it's just, it was hilarious. But yeah, I could only help but, um, but picture Kadish on set, like working with somebody like that. He's sitting there smoking his giant robot vape pen and just, like, blowing smoke in Jacques Claude's face. And, and God, it's it funny so if you funny. notice, like, no one smokes a cigarette in this, this show, everyone's vaping. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, there, there's this great scene in the very first episode where uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, goes to a restaurant, and it's called, the restaurant's called Dry, D-R-I. And it's just a restaurant that serves dry ramen noodles. That's right. <laughs> and they yeah. give him, like, this plate of, of, like, right out of the package dry ramen square. Uh-huh. And it's got, like, some accoutrement on top of it. And, and, and he's like, excuse me, uh, but my... Ramen is dry. <laughs> and then the waiter's like, yeah, that's our thing. It's a, it's and, a concept, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a concept. concept, man. And he's like, well, can I have some water for my dry ramen? He's like, nah, man. <laughs> and he's like, we don't serve water we don't here. Serve water here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a pop-up experience. We're not really a restaurant. <laughs> and, 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 and then the guy like actually looks up from his phone and sees him. And he's like, oh, you're... And Jean-Claude's like, yes, I know. <laughs> and he, he he's like dude, like, have you been in anything recently? Like anything I've seen on Blu-ray or streaming? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm retired. Not Nicolas Cage retired, real retired. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought you, you were, were Nicolas Cage. Cage. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like the very beginning of the show, like we see Jean-Claude Van Damme, he's like in his bed um, at, at his like multi-million dollar his house. Lair. His lair. <laughs> Everything has his initials on it, JCVD, just like everything. It's just monogrammed with his initials. 
And 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 this. <laughs> Can we talk about the shower? And this sexy naked girl just comes out, and she's like, Jean Claude, I just got out of your shower, and my skin's all sticky. And he's like, Yes, that's because it's coconut water. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's like, Your shower has coconut water. And he's like, Of course it does. You do this every time you're over here. She's like, This is the first time I've been here. And he's like, Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like so depressed and over it. He just doesn't care. And, and like he gets up out of bed, he puts his his feet in the JCVD branded slippers, and he goes downstairs. And everywhere there's like posters of him and his movies. Time cop and Time yeah, cop, yeah at, all at of them. hard target. And like he gets on his Segway to go out to his his, his driveway <laughs> to, pick his to pick up his his, his newspaper. <laughs> And he's just like so depressed, like like he just like his life has no meaning anymore, and and then like while he's at dry, um, he sees this girl, and and it was like this former flame of his, and he, they were like partners, they were yeah. spy partners, they were spy and partners lovers, and lovers, and he has a flashback of like the last time he remembers they were, being they were with training her. on a sniper range, yes, and and so like he he runs up to her and he, he's like he's like hey you know like you know I know things ended badly between us but like I want to you know, I want to say hi to you. And, and she, she kind of lets it slip that she's like still in the spy game and she's got this job in Bulgaria. And she, she's like, you know, like, I'm done with you, Jean-Claude. And so uh, after she leaves, he's, he, you know, he wants to get her back. So he goes to his agent who, who was the mom from, from Fresh Prince of Bel Air? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. The Cosby Show. show. Oh, that's, the Cosby. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Cosby yeah. Show. Also, the mom from Creed. And you just showed your age so bad. <laughs> so, so <Wow. laughs> apparently, it, in, in in this universe, the William Morris Agency, which is a well, really well known talent agency in Hollywood, is a secret front for a government spy ring, who uh, basically sends people you know around the world uh, under the guise of making movies in order to you know. Um, do spy stuff. And he goes to his agent and at first his agent who's played by mama Huxtable, um, it, it like thinks that he's coming back for movies. So she's, she's like pitching him all these like movies and they're all action reimaginings of like really like, did you write down stuff. all the ones that she pitched? Yes. For? Oh I my did. God. <laughs> and, and, and so here's, here's the thing. So she had an action reimagining of Ricky Ticky Tavi. <laughs> oh, I used uh, to love that. She had an action reimagining of Anne of green Gables. <laughs> And action reimagining of the story of P.F. Chang's, which is like uh, a movie about how like the, the, restaurant, the restaurant came, came about. So like, <laughs> and, and, and all these movies have Channing Tatum attached to them. <laughs> and, and the P.F. Chang movie has Jackie Chan as General So who rides a giant chicken. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but so like she's pitching all these movies to Jean-Claude and uh and she's like, oh, this one's good. It's at Paramount. It has Channing Tatum attached to it. And, and Jean-Claude's like, I don't think you understood me when I said I was back. Jean-Claude Van Damme is retired, but Jean-Claude Van Johnson is back. And, 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 so, like, and so like she hits a button on her desk and All like the her, windows yeah, close. Yeah, her, her, her big office come like because into a fortress. Yeah. And, and so like uh, once the office is secure, she starts like talking real with him and She's like, are you sure this isn't because you want to get that, that girl back? And he's like, no, I want, to, I want to have meaning in my life. I want to do what's right. I want to get back in the game. And so she's And like, also I want her again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, goes to this movie in Belarus, which is an action reimagining of Huckleberry Finn. Get hot. <laughs> and, and, and the movie's <laughs> called Rail. Great. I want to see this movie for real. Yeah. Right? No kidding. Like, like this movie looked awesome. It, it, <laughs> basically, they, they, they gender swap uh, Tom Sawyer into uh -huh. a woman. And so Huckleberry Finn. I love Finn, you too, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer are now lovers. 
and uh, they're fighting, uh, you know, um, like evil in the south with a magic hammer. Um, but like, a magic paintbrush. I mean, yeah, magic paintbrush. <laughs> and this whole movie, uh, this fake movie within the show, it's called Huck. Get and, hucked. I love that trailer that they did. The voiceover oh, guy was freaking hilarious. Get hucked. Like, like it was I would love to see this movie fucking. in real life. I, I would, I would love to. <laughs> like, like, it's so funny because like they have a black actor playing um, inward Jim. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm offended by his name. <laughs> what, Jim? <laughs> no, yeah. the other one. <laughs> so then they recast him with a Chinese actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and they call him C-word Jim. <laughs> <laughs> canceled. Yeah, canceled. So canceled. Yeah. And, and like, for some reason, Jean-Claude Van Damme thinks that uh, the guy who's playing inward Jim is having an affair with the girl that he likes. And so, and so like he, he basically gets him fired from the movie. But then when they, when they, did you notice, I'm sure you noticed when they play, when they play the trailer later, yeah. like the black guys in part of the trailer yeah. and then the Chinese guys in the rest of the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like like everything about this movie, like it it's very self aware. Oh yeah, but it, it's it's amazing. Like for instance, it's almost it's basically a parody. Oh, isn't it? it's so great! It's, yeah. It comes really close to being a parody. Yeah, yeah. So like like in the very first episode, there's a scene where Jean Claude Van Damme is talking with the, the douchebag director that you were yeah. mentioning, and the director's like like you know Jean Claude like this isn't like like your time when you know, uh, people were just throwing kicks around and, and, and oh, bad not, guys would attack one at a time. It's just not, not realistic. realistic. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, he's, he's fighting all these like guards, the security guards yeah. at, at this chemical factory yeah. and, and, the main, and, the and they're, and they're about to charge him and the leaders like stops them always. Like, wait, 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 gotta go one at a time. Otherwise this gets confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you might bump into each other. Yeah, or you might bump just, into each just other. Just go one at a yeah, time. Just go one at a time. <laughs> and, and like, like that setup alone was just like fantastic. But they also set up the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme, he, he's been out of the game for a while, so he's not quite at his peak. He can't do the split. So, so like his gift, his quote unquote gift is the ability to do the splits. Yeah. And so like uh, at the beginning of the episode, like he tries to do the splits and like he fails and then like the guy attacks him and just knocks him, in, him in the face with a baton. Yeah. And then that like, looked like a hard hit too. Yeah, yeah. Like it was not, that didn't seem like a CGI fish. That was like full on to the face. Whack. <laughs> yeah. And then you see like at, by the end of the movie, like he like does the splits and he's like back and like he punches the guy in the balls, knocks him out. <laughs> he does the blood he's, sport. His move. splits save the day. His splits oh save my the God. Day. Okay. I know it's too soon to talk about that finale, but the last episode where he <laughs> stops the freaking conveyor yeah. opening door <laughs> yeah. with his split yeah. and you could hear like ripping tissue and bones. And I'm like, Oh, Oh my god! Yeah. So, so in the Painful. in the climax of, of the movie, in order to stop show. the bad guy, of the show, in order to stop the bad guy from escaping, like she has this uh, helicopter in an underground bunker, and and the the tennis court above it is slowly opening to like let the helicopter out. <laughs> so Jean Claude Van Damme, in order to stop this, he uses his quote unquote gift, which is the split. He's like, I must use my, my gift. gift. <laughs> <laughs> basically, he hooks his his feet behind the, these like two like extending things from the ground. And he uses his his muscle. His, he just uses his, his leg muscles. muscles. His yeah. muscle from Brussels. <laughs> yeah, his muscles from Brussels <laughs> to keep the the thing from opening all the way, so that he can give his partners time to go down there and stop the bad guy. Yeah. And he's just sitting there all zinned out. Yeah, like, like, he's like in his pose. Doing the splits. Yeah, he's stopping this giant machine <laughs> from opening. It was gold. <laughs> I must use my gift. It was pure gold. I loved it. I love that moment too. And I was like, when the girl was like, "John Claude, you need to be the hero," and he's like, "No, I am not the hero." 
you are. And they and she's like, go do your thing. And he sits there and he's got his little pose. With the split. <laughs> I was like, God, man, it's so funny. It's can we, so- can we talk about Philippe? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Philippe. Philippe. Okay. So Philippe is basically Jean-Claude Van Damme's doppelganger. Like no. he, yeah, okay. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> okay, so he goes into this factory and he has to go in, in disguise because people might recognize Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. So he puts on this disguise and as he's walking in, people are like, hey, Philippe, as he walks by. It turns out he looks in his disguise, he looks exactly like one of the guys that works yeah. there whose name is Philippe. Who's also this a, this a giant Jean-Claude Van Damme who's, fan. Yeah, yeah. who's yeah. a yeah. huge well, fan well, of Jean-Claude well, this Van Damme. Is the, the double impact also played nod. by yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. But both characters are played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. God, the voice he does. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it's it's just just how, how, I can't even do it. I can't do it either. I'm not even going to try. Well, don't try. Please oh, don't guys. try. <laughs> Do you like time cup? Do you like? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. It's so funny though. And he's it's just like really fucked up because Jean Claude Van Damme told him that uh, Looper was a better movie than Time Cop. And he's like, but if you're really me from the future, you would know that Time Cop is my favorite movie. And he's just so messed up over it. And and it's funny because like like so when Jean Claude Van Damme does run into Philippe, his doppelganger. <laughs> He, he says, who are you? And Jean-Claude Van Damme is like, I'm you from the future. <laughs> and then he like, he puts his hand on, on Philippe's shoulder and he, he's like, don't worry, everything will be okay. And Philippe is like, you are He not- calls bullshit on him yeah, immediately. He he's like, like matter can't occupy like yeah, yeah, matter, so he, dude. So he, he, he uses the line from Time Cop, the, the, the one tri- time travel rule that they had in that movie. And he says, he says, you, you are not me from the future because like matter cannot occupy like space. <laughs> <laughs> and Jean-Claude Van Damme is just like floored. He, he's like, like he's like, oh, well, it, they, they can in Looper. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's like, well, well, in, in Looper, Bruce Willis touches Joseph Gordon-Levis all the time. time. <laughs> and, and then Philippe is like, do you really think he's that like, Looper, Looper is a better movie than Time Cop? And he's like, yes. And he's like, then you are not me. <laughs> Dude, that was such a fantastic. So great. So great. The, the, the exchange between those yeah, two. Yeah, and the opening voiceover in, in the very first episode, it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme is like, you might recognize me as the star of Time Cop, which is like Looper only a million times better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you might also recognize me from Blood sport you've probably seen it because it's played on tv constantly <laughs> which is so true too. yeah this show is so great it has so many great moments and and it, the storyline itself is actually p- quite clever to be honest with you i was i it was really into is. it yeah it was really good like, like the bad guy in the show his name is um dragon molotov <laughs> But they pronounce it Dragon. Uh, and he's like this this Russian uh, oligarch who uh, basically his lifelong dream was to be a supervillain who could control the weather. I can understand that. So so he created a drug empire. And like Jean-Claude's whole mission is to find out the source of this oh, What is it? This HK drug, or HK, yeah. which is a, a heroin. Hey, ke- I want to buy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heroin ketamine mix. There's an episode that reminds me like so much of Tokyo Drift. Yes, absolutely. I love it. That, that, that was on purpose. Freaking love it. <laughs> and, and and so uh, Dragon Molotov, uh, he's also the financier for Jean-Claude Van Damme's movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and his whole thing is about like, like he wants, he's building this, he created a drug cartel so he could fund his lifelong dream of creating a weather machine, a machine that could control the weather in his underground lair. And so like, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme has been like slowly kind of dismantling his, his drug network. 
And and Molotov loves it because he, he's like, yes, I always wanted a secret agent to try to come and stop me. <laughs> Dude, the first time he meets Jean-Claude, he's like, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> he's so excited yeah. to see him. <laughs> and, and he's always hanging out with that douchey director. He's, he's just like, the director's always like, hey, me and Dragon are going to go off and, and get some dinner. You want to come? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a, we're going to do an eight ball, Yin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but but like like there's so much great stuff in it. Like there was a scene in I believe it was episode three where these um, these thugs come to like kill Jean Claude or they're coming to get a microchip back from Jean Claude. A microchip that's like yeah, it's, it's huge. It's yeah. nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, processor it's like bigger yeah. than my cell phone. It's so, like the size of my iPad. She was so mad at him. Like that. That's no. That can't be what it is. Uh huh. Microchips are tiny. What are you doing? This isn't the 80s anymore, Jean-Claude. <laughs> She's so mad at it. Actually, at the end of the episode, turns out it's to be like exactly. Key. yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, uh, these Russian thugs um, kidnap Philippe, who survived uh, all of his friends getting murdered at the factory. Because <laughs> after Jean-Claude beats up all the security guys, he blows up the factory and kills everyone. <laughs> but Philippe survives with a sprained neck. <laughs> So like, but like, but like, he's all sad because all of his friends are dead, and he finds out that his idol Jean Claude Van Damme is actually a bad guy. And so like, the Russians recruit Philippe to help them infiltrate the movie set. They give him a haircut. Yeah, so they give him a haircut. He looks, and he looks just like Jean Claude Van Damme, just like, except he talks like a freaking Smeagol. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, you killed all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, I can't. And, and and so like there's a scene where Jean-Claude Van Damme is fighting these uh these Russian um thugs and they're they infiltrated the set by getting into costumes as like oh con Confederate soldiers. And so Jean-Claude Van Damme is in his Huckleberry Fen outfit. He's in overalls with yeah. one strap. Yeah, with one yeah. strap. And it looks pretty good for his age though. And, and, and they have this this like uh this ferry boat set. And Jean-Claude Van Damme starts fighting these like thugs who are legit trying to kill him. Yeah, for real. Like he's actually beating and, the shit and, out of these and guys. And every, everyone thinks it's part of the movie. And the director's <laughs> and the like, director's director's are we filming? Are we filming this? Fucking Sean, why the fuck are we filming? <laughs> <laughs> People are getting shot for real. One dude gets People like- People are legit dying. Like <laughs> one guy gets impaled and he's like, oh my God, the effects, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. The director's like, cut print and, and like his script supervisor's like, I think people are really dead. <laughs> No one pays attention it's to like her. This scene isn't in the script. Like, like, I don't care. Jean Claude himself gets rid of all the bodies, like puts them on a golf cart, and like, drives them away. <laughs> you gotta watch this show. And uh, Jean, Jean Claude has a has a sidekick whose name is Lewis. And Lewis was, Lewis is such a badass. Lewis was a was a child who was um, who was raised as by the cartel, yes. by the drug cartel. Yes. And he's done. He did so many terrible things um, in his youth that he can literally look people in the eye and they can see all oh the terrible God. things he did <laughs> and, 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 and be traumatized from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He like can literally render people insane by yeah. just gazing into their eyes. They were trying. There was one scene where they were trying to get past a bouncer to go into a party, and he's like, he's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. And he's like, You're going to let us in. And he's just staring at the dude, and the bouncer finally goes, Oh my God! Fine. <laughs> he covers his eyes and runs away. Yeah, like like he actually sees. 
glimpses of how terrible this guy has, has been and he just can't handle it. <laughs> I need to note something real quick because uh, I think it's just, it's uh, awesome. <laughs> there are literally tears rolling down Alex's face right now. I'm going to use your dog as a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about Lewis is that, um, you know, he's the character Rico Suave from Hannah Montana. <laughs> he was the child actor. Oh, speaking of like cameos of people that we we see in other stuff, um, if you guys remember in The Mandalorian, that very opening scene of the first episode where they walk into the bar and the dude's got the big old beer and he's talking like Hutties, that's the same dude who fights him in, in the scenes in Huck where he accidentally punches him in the face. And he's like, oh my gosh, Jean-Claude, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, I thought you were going to duck. <laughs> and it was like just a ploy to get Jean-Claude off the set. But I, I just thought it was really cool. You get to see kind of like these reoccurring uh, people in these uh, stunt work. The, the Tokyo Drift ep- episode where, he, where oh Jean-Claude God, has, so to, has to go undercover in this <laughs> underground race ring. He, what is the chef guy with the blonde <laughs> goatee? What's that guy's name? Oh, you would know. He looks just like him. <clears throat> what? The, the, the guy, um, the celebrity chef with, with the, the blonde oh, Bobby. Uh, oh, uh, no, it was Guy Fieri. Guy yes. Fieri. He looks just like Guy Fieri. He does. Yeah, yes, he, does. <laughs> he puts on like this crazy Bleach blonde, blonde wig and goatee. And, and yes. they, they could only find this like crappy Honda to <laughs> yeah. like, to like race in. It's like all rusted oh, out. Yeah. He's like, he's like, why didn't you tell me you didn't know how to drive a stick? <laughs> still like trying to park it and it's all freaking out. <laughs> and, 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 and Lewis is trying to coach him through this. He's like, okay, now we have to play this cool. We, we can't call attention to ourselves. And then he just walks up to, to the, like the main guy the big boss, and says, Hey, I want to buy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just stopped all the music stops. They'll just look at him and he's like, how much do you want? <laughs> Vader, you haven't said anything yet. I, I don't, I'm good. Are you, you guys good? do it. Yeah. 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 All right. So well, at least you're smiling. So at least you're, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a laugh in once. Okay. <laughs> and, and the great thing about this episode is that, so like, do you remember in blood sport where basically, you know, the whole climax is like, he's blind, yes. but like, yes. But like he trained the climax of this episode is that is that he goes blind yeah, for the race. Yeah, he, he basically he, he ties a blindfold around his eyes. <laughs> and be, then the be, drug be, cartel guy is like, oh, this guy's crazy. I'm going to do it, too. <laughs> and he puts a blindfold over himself. And as soon as he starts driving, he kills himself. And he crashes and dies. His car bursts in the And then the race is completely over. But, but, but Jean-Claude doesn't know that. Because he's blindfolded. Yeah, so like he actually... He just keeps driving, but he's driving like 10 miles an hour. No, no, no. He's driving no. perfect. Yeah, he's doing... He, he's like, at the beginning of the race, guy's like, this is a drifting race. And Jean-Claude's like, what's drifting? And then he puts the blindfold on and he's drifting around these corners and like these loop-de-loops, yeah. like super perfect. It's so graceful. And the dude's, in the background, the dude's car is on fire. And he's and like, Everyone takes off. <laughs> Dude, this is my favorite episode of this whole freaking show. And, and it also has the best song in the entire Oh, my God, oh yes. yeah. Suck my dick. Suck, suck my, my motherfucking dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this episode. But, but okay, so like, in, in, ad- in addition to how good this episode is, there was an episode a little bit, I think it was episode four, if I'm not mistaken. And this is an episode where basically... Um, the girl that Jean-Claude uh, loves uh, gets killed. And so he goes back oh, in time God. to, to <laughs> he time save her. her. He time cops her. <laughs> so like he goes back in time, he knocks himself out and puts himself in the trunk of, of his car. And then he, uh, he infiltrates the, the party that Dr- Dragon Maltov is throwing <laughs> uh, for the premiere of Huck. And, 
So like uh, at this point, Dragon has kidnapped Lewis and has him in his underground bunker in on, on this booby trap that's set to blow up if, uh-huh. if any weight changes. Yes. Yeah, got, and a, then, and a, then the Indiana Jones, this one. Yeah, it's <laughs> a scale with claymores on all four corners, and if the weight changes at all, it blows up. Yeah. It's very much so, Indiana Jones moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Jean-Claude from the future switches places with Lewis in order to save his life. Oh, I had completely forgotten about that part. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is great. No, it yeah. was. It was great. And then, and then the actual Jean-Claude from our time comes back, and he's like... And and that's how we get the explanation that you know uh, he's being time cop because of like of time travel. So like there's actual time travel in the show. Yeah. But then Philippe shows up. <laughs> and he's he's drunk. <laughs> you kill all my friends. <laughs> and then like Philippe steals the time machine from the the future Jean Claude, and travels back in time, and the future Jean Claude blows up. Yeah. And he, oh, they throw him a gun because he's going to shoot somebody. But then the gun sets the weight off on the scale and it blows him up. And then the Jean-Claude that's on the, on the 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 present day Jean-Claude, present day Jean-Claude is like, so So that was Philippe, right? That was Philippe, right? (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's like, I guess so. so. (laughs) And then like after all that goes down, Dragon comes back down into his lair and he starts doing the villainous monologue thing uh, where, yeah. where he, he's like, ever since I was a little boy, I've wanted to control the weather. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he, he's like, I see you found my secret weather controlling machine. And, and so like, he has this thing where, where he, he's, he's like, he's like, I've, 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 you know, always wanted this uh, secret agent adversary and all of a sudden, the guy from Double Impact is now my nemesis, <laughs> and, he, and and then he introduces his sidekick. <laughs> and, what was and, his name? So okay, okay. So get this. So he he's like, allow me to introduce my henchman, Minimano, which in, <laughs> literally <laughs> translates means no, no, no. He, 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 basically, he says like in, in Belarusian that translates to big man with fist who likes to smash things. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but I like to keep it simple. So we will just call him marble hands. <laughs> so th- this huge guy comes out. He's got like these big stone fists and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme has to start fighting him. And so like he, he's running around and marble fist is basically just like knocking you know, him around, breaking shit left yeah. and right with his, with his like, uh, you know, undefeatable marble Like literal fist. like Hulk smash yeah. hands, but they're made, made out of, of marble. marble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like uh, eventually Jean-Claude Van Damme does the splits and like uh, hits him in the balls and he just like keeps hitting him in the balls and finally <laughs> like a speed bag yeah. <laughs> and finally uh, Minimano just kind of like falls to his knees and he's like dazed and his fists are like up in the air and Jean-Claude gets up and he starts like you know like meditating uh, <laughs> like, like, like he's got his hands out and he's got this really intense look on his face and everyone just stops and they're, and, uh, they're like oh, the dim muck the, the touch of death from Bloodsport and so Jean-Claude's like what? he like hits the hands and, and the marble hands explode, hands explode. <laughs> and, Mar- and, and Minnie Mono's just like no he like falls over my favorite part about that scene is right after that the bad guy uh, Dragon Molotov or whatever his name is starts running away and Jean-Claude spin kicks a piece of marble that's shaped like a thumb and kicks it into the back of his head into his skull falls over dead whacked him whacked him god this movie this freaking show is amazing yeah but he wasn't even the real bad guy (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it was like the agency that he worked yeah, for. Yeah, so the William yeah. Morris agency yeah. is actually the secret bad guy. It was Claire Huxtable. <laughs> Claire Huxtable was the actual bad guy. She basically, the William Morris agency is actually a front for a criminal organization run by Morris. The uh, architect. Who, the, the architect who Jean-Claude Van Damme thought was just a myth. Like, William was apparently a, a real guy. The guy from West Wing and Jurassic Park to yeah. Lost World, mm-hmm. Eddie Carr, he, he plays, he's like a lawyer and, and he plays in a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. He's all over the place. Yeah. But uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme discovers that he's been used all, all of his career to actually uh, cr- do crimes as opposed to like yeah. saving the world. So like, he I feels want to be betrayed. the hero. And he's like, son, there's no heroes. It was, yeah, it's such nobody's a, a hero. Nobody's a hero. And he starts laughing, like blowing him off like he's nothing. Yeah, so after he kills Morris... Uh, he, Spoiler he, alert! <laughs> uh, he, he kills Morris, and now Claire Huxtable knows that uh, that he's onto them, and so he, he's like Claire I, Huxtable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to look up her name. Felicia <laughs> Rashad. No, but I met her character. He, he, he's he's like he's like I have to go where no one will ever find me. <laughs> And so he goes to a blockbuster video. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> they go. They have a training montage. Yeah, Jane. Jane. Yeah, Jane. They have a training montage inside of a blockbuster, yeah. and all the movies are on this. And the the younger girl walks in. She's like, "What did she say?" She says something like, "I've never. I didn't know there was any of these left." She starts taking VHS tapes off the thing and like. Blowing the <laughs> dust off of him. And, and, so, and so, like, he's, he's like showering in bottles of coconut water. Yeah. Yeah, he just buys all these coconut waters and just like pours them over himself to clean himself. <laughs> Pay up and, and set up. And, and he's also got this, this weird diet where he eats nothing but Pop-Tarts and toaster pastries. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, there was another scene. He, he, he's in hideout. This was, there's another like subplot about him being an orphan, basically. Yeah, he, he goes to France. Yeah, he goes to France. Goes to Brussels. Disappears, and he's like in, in this old orphanage that's abandoned, and he's sitting, he's got a 55-gallon drum that's on fire, and he like, this. it's filmed almost like an action scene where he like takes out this uh, this um, hanger. hanger, and he starts bending it, and he's like doing it all aggressively, and then it turns out that he's just using it to hold his toaster strudel <laughs> over the open flame. Over the open flame. <laughs> and he can't, yeah. he can't even toast a toaster strudel properly. Like, it catches on fire. And, and he, he freaks out. whacking it. <laughs> <laughs> he starts, he kicks it across the ground. I think you guys like this show way more than I do. Dude, this show is so fucking it's funny. It's so funny. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> but, but do you he, have any he, favorite moments? He, 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 you he cook, I think you've covered them. He, cook, he cooks his Pop-Tarts in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really weird. <laughs> psychopathic. Oh man. And, and you're constantly uh like whenever like like he's cleaning the statue of himself in Brussels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and like, and like you're constantly reminded like of how washing his balls. How, yeah. how, how unimportant he actually is. Yeah. And the, these two girls come up and, and they're like, Hey, would you mind? And like they have like their like their camera phone with him. He's like, Oh yeah, sure. And so like he tries to take a picture with him and they're like, What are you doing? And they're like, no, they're, just, and they're like, Oh no, we wanted you to take a picture of just us. Just us. Yeah. In front of that building over there. Yeah. 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 So he tries to take a picture of them in front of his statue of him doing the splits and they're like actually we want the the ministry of agriculture behind us is that, is that a real statue yeah. yes it is uh-huh. they have a statue of jean-claude van damme doing a split don't so you want to go now i do <laughs> i did not know that was real i thought i didn't know that was real. should we take a class trip please pot, a pot Maybe trip? if we get enough patrons we'll take a trip to france and take a picture in front okay. of jean-claude van damme's statue let's have a raffle and we'll take a patron with us if we Ooh. get enough money so they hide out at this abandoned blockbuster video oh, no. and they have a training montage where Jean-Claude Van Damme teaches his uh, his uh, girlfriend 
how to fight, basically. Yeah. Because she's been traumatized because she actually killed a guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. She got her first she kill. Got her first and kill. she's been like PTSD or something. And she yeah. can't fight anymore. Yeah. And so, like, they're preparing for the final showdown with Jane, Claire Huxtable. <laughs> and uh, so, basically, the final episode of, of this series is Jean Claude Van Damme goes and has a confrontation with Jane, and they take on all of her private security. And she tries to escape, and that's when he uses his gift to keep her from escaping. And while he's using his gift, um, his girlfriend goes down to confront her, and she has to fight the other female agent yeah. who was playing uh, was Tom, Tom Sawyer. She was playing Tom Sawyer. In, in the yeah. movie, uh, Huck. <laughs> and uh, Everyone's a secret spy. And, al- and also, <laughs> Lewis just like murders everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like he goes full cartel. <laughs> yeah, he's he shaves got, his head. He's got like snake tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, so on set, Lewis was the, the hairstylist for Van Damme. Yeah, and makeup artist too, right? Yes, and yeah. he's wearing he's been wearing makeup this whole time, which you don't realize until the the final okay. episode. And he wipes his face off, and he's got the he's snake. got this giant face snake tattoo all across. Yeah, every, yeah, it's amazing. It's badass. And, and he goes he goes <laughs> full ham on these like these guards at uh, at Claire Huxtable's like fortress or whatever, uh-huh. and he just wipes out like the entire like. The, there's a kind of a setup where she kind of like jokes off Jean-Claude like you're only one person I have a whole army after me and he's like or do you and, then, and, then <laughs> and you like everyone's everybody's dead everybody's dead there's a guy up against the window and he's got blood hanging out yeah. <laughs> like, like the, the whole storyline for, for this show is basically every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie you've ever seen mixed up into one movie yes. yeah you know, and it's it's not a long series either. It's like six episodes it's long. Not, yeah, no, it's not yeah. very long I'm at all. I'm so disappointed that it got canceled after one season. It's so it's good. It's so good. Especially because like at the end, like they ended on a cliffhanger yeah. where Jean-Claude Van Damme, he's in a wheelchair now, but he's bought the orphanage that he grew up in and he reopened it for, you know, uh, for other orphans now. It's called the Jean-Claude Van Varenberg Memorial Orphanage. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> and they're like, you know, memorial means like, for somebody's death, right? And he's like, he is dead. Uh, no, no, it was the Jean-Claude Van Damme memorial. Jean-Claude Van Damme and memorial. he's like, Jean-Claude Van Damme is dead. And then, um, you know, after this happy kind of ending, uh, all of a sudden everyone freezes and he's like, what's going on? And then like the same characters that he's with show up. Oh my God. <laughs> from a time vortex. And, and they're, they're like, we need your help for the time wars. <laughs> and Jean-Claude Van Damme just looks at the camera and then it cuts to black. <laughs> Dude, I want to watch that movie. I, I'm like, I want to see season two yeah. where the time yeah. wars break out. <laughs> they come out, they have like holographic guns yeah. and they're all like robotic. They got like Borg parts. Dude. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like the perfect way to end that season. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm very sad that we're never going to get to see what happens next. Are we never going to get to see it? No. no. It got canceled. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we need to no make that come two. back. We yeah. do need to make that come back. Yeah. That's a hashtag. We're going we're gonna to put up a petition on our Twitter account. Absolutely. And you need to make get on board. Make Jean-Claude Van Johnson back, come back. Or, you know what's uh, terrible we'll is, is like Amazon has this really bad habit of taking these like brilliant shows that they make and just canceling them. Like yeah. the same thing that happened with The Tick. The Tick was great. Oh, The Tick. I loved The yeah. Tick. Um, so like I, I would have loved to have seen them do more Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I mean, it was a half hour show. Like yeah. how much could it have cost, you know? Yeah, there wasn't really much to it. I and mean, you just got Jean-Claude and a couple yeah. other actor, other actors yeah. and stuff. I, don't, I, I just don't think that it was as popular. It should be. Yeah. Because it was freaking hilarious. Yeah, it's, but done, I, it's a slow burn. It's a generational thing, though, I think, too. Yeah, also, like, if, it's so much better if you're a fan of Jean-Claude. Yeah. Like, like if you're familiar with his movies and you, you kind of, like, get the joke. Like, I didn't even know the show existed until you guys pointed it out to me. 
And I was like, oh, I didn't know he made a show on Amazon Prime. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think they marketed it at, like at all. Yeah, I never heard of it. And then the, you said it right off the bat. is like if you – watching it the first time, it's a good show and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch all of his movies and yeah. then watch this show, it's like 10 times better. So much better. So much better. And I'm like, that's so true. So you're right. Like super fans of Jean-Claude would love this show. But like the average person who might not be – like into it, they probably wouldn't even. Any super place. fans probably already seen it. Yeah, but yeah. It's very inside jokey too. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're just a casual, don't know much about Jean Claude Van Damme, and you're looking at a show to watch. It's not a very good show. Like by, how by, dare you? By and large, <laughs> I, I, it's it's just not. But like, it's it's funny if you are in on the joke. Yeah. Uh, and like like because when Jude and I first watched it, like we were just kind of like casually going along. We're like, the show's enjoyable. Uh-huh. It's not great, but like it, it's enjoyable. But then on rewatching it after we like we revisited a lot of his movies, we were like, the show's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we can have yeah. a recording of us laughing for two hours talking about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> or this TV show. And, and, it's brilliant. It and really I, is. I disagree. I don't think that it's not a good show. It's not. Yes, I thought, I thought yeah. it was really clever. Yeah. Like, it's even a clever just show. On its own. And, and I think even if you're not familiar with the this the history of yeah. Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme. Um, I think it's still funny. However, if you are really familiar with his work, it's brilliant and h- hilarious. Super uh, meta. Alex, what did you think of the uh, Jurassic Universe nod in, in the show? Yes. Oh, they did. They was like yeah. um some they were casting somebody. So, oh, no, so like after after oh, the Huck movie, yes, uh, I remember that. Tanks because you know, Dragon Molotov dies and, and he was their financer. So the movie falls through. The director is on the set and he's like drunk and like all depressed because this is like his big movie. And he's like, I'm finished. Yeah. And Jane, Jane shows up and, and she, she's Claire like, Huxtable. yeah, Claire Huxtable. And, 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 and she's like, she's like, I'll make you a deal. She's like, I'll give you the Jurassic Universe franchise. And he's like, Jurassic Universe. And she's like, yes, dinosaurs in space. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that until now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, it's awesome. And, and, and apparently, apparently Channing Tatum's attached. It's, uh, <laughs> it fits perfect into the, the Jurassic Gene. And, and, and she, she's like, I will give you uh, Jurassic Universe as long as you swear not never to talk about this movie ever again. <laughs> never mention this show. Yeah, never, never, yeah. never mention this movie again. That's great. So on a, on a scale of one to 10, uh, what do you give this show, Matthew Kadish? Oh, I got to give it a 10. Yeah. You, you know, the, the show, it was kind of interesting the way it came about because what Amazon used to do with its original series is they would have what, what they call pilot season. And basically they commissioned a bunch of pilots for shows that they were thinking about doing and they would put all the pilots out there and then you could watch the pilots and then vote on which pilots you wanted to see go to series. And so they would basically order do their series order based off of like the feedback they got from their prime users Mm -hmm. and the year that um this show um had its pilot come out um i can remember watching this along with the tick and Mm -hmm. and yeah a couple others and then going on amazon's website and filling out the survey to let them know like i wanted more jean-claude van johnson stuff like that but after it got the series order it took like another year before like the actual series came out so I think the um, the show the pilot was 2016, but then the show itself came out in 2017 or something I think like you're that. Right. So there was like a long period between the point where Jude and I watched the pilot episode and then when we watched the actual series, and I think that 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 might have hurt it a little bit. Yeah, um, it that's pro- a bummer, man. It'd probably be different. Like if this were like a Netflix show where they just dropped the entire thing like at once and did like the hype for it, it probably would have done better. Um, but it's a it's a shame because it's it's a hidden gem. 
on Amazon. Yeah, and I I remember when we watched the pilot for it, and it was just one episode. We like we were like, I don't know about this. This is gonna be terrible. And like we were like, this is good. This is clever. This is funny. Yeah. And I, and we were both like, oh god, I hope they make it into a series. And then when we did, when they did, we were just we were so jacked about it. That's awesome. Uh, if you're a fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme or you're a fan of 80s action movies, like this is definitely a show worth watching. Absolutely. And it's free with Amazon Prime. Yeah. Absolutely. Jude, what do you give this scale of 1 to 10? Um, I give it um, an 8. Ooh. Hmm. I was expecting a 10. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You did disappoint me. <laughs> uh, Vader, you haven't said shit this entire time. <laughs> I haven't been able to get a word in edgewise. That's <laughs> all good. I'd give it a 7. 7? Yeah. Wow, okay. What was your favorite part of the series? I don't know. It was just <laughs> all around. All over. It was good. Yeah. Seven, seven's a good score. Okay. Yeah. Eight's a good score too. Okay. Me and Kenneth were like 10, 100%. It's a good show. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, that's the episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you would like to listen to more episodes, you can go to saltynerdpodcast.com. We have all of our stuff there. It'll take you either to iTunes or Google Play and whatever phone you have or whatever device you're using, it'll direct you to that streaming platform. Uh, so please go there. Uh, don't forget to leave a review. If you give us a five-star review, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. You can DM us and say, hey, I give you a five-star review and we will send you something in the mail as a thank you. Uh, it always helps us to uh, grow this podcast and to make more content to uh, have people leave reviews for us. So you can go there, go to saltynerdpodcast.com, subscribe, leave a review, get a sticker. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Norton, for giving us a five-star review. I hope you enjoy your Thanks, swag, Mike. your salty swag. And uh, oh, That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> you want some salty you swag? Want some salty swag. I'm Here, sticker. I'm gonna, stickers. Let me we're give talking you some, about stickers, people. Let me give you some boob dollars while we're out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on. All right, so where can you, where can, <laughs> Jesus Christ, where can we find each, everybody on the socials? Matthew Kadish, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H. And Jude, where can they find you? At I am Jude Juju on the socials. Nice. And Matt Vader, Sweet Cheeks himself, where can they find you? Sweet Cheeks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Baby face. <laughs> um, you can find me at Matt Vader 74 on the socials and also on Twitch. Yeah, you're doing something with that, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, big thing's coming. What are you playing? Uh, World of Warcraft, Terraria. How's that going for you? Uh, it's really confusing. Is it? Yeah. It's, but, a, it's a complex game. It's funny watching yeah. his stream because he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So what, the, what, the, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So go check out It's Matt a weird Vader. game. But. He's, uh, he's a grandpa playing video games. Go check it yeah, out. Yeah, there's, there's got to be a niche <laughs> audience out there of some 50-year-old fat ass playing video games on Twitch. Got With be. all these kids. <laughs> 